0: Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Pal Dino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. The Minnesota Vikings hanging on with a winning record, defeat a winning team, and to shut up some doubters, particularly number 52 of the Philadelphia Eagles in Kirk Cousins' case. Great game for him as Minnesota ends up winning 38-20. That's right, 38-20 over the hated Philadelphia Eagles, and well, here we go, moving in the right direction, at least for the time being, before we head to Detroit, and that's going to be a significant test going into next week, without a doubt. Philadelphia coach Doug Peterson definitely uh, taking some chances today, particularly late in the half, the first half. That didn't uh, help them, per se, when they tried to get back in the game. Vikings off to a wonderful opening start in the game. Kirk Cousins just sharp, right out of the get-go, talking about how, oh, he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He needs to do that from now on and blah, blah, blah. Well, I hope he does, and I wish he did all the time. I don't know why that would even be an issue. You should always have a bit of a chip on your shoulder. You don't have to necessarily be, like, pissed off at the world and hate everybody. But that's just for some of us out there. I guess some days on those dark days that we're not happy, this and that. But, uh, well, play with this continued motivation. Also, it helps with Philadelphia's pass defense, not so good. Uh, Very discombobulated uh, secondary throughout the game today. Oh, boy, poor Douglas, number 32 today, was just, you know, he went through hell. Time and time again, some calls, a holding call against him that cost Philadelphia in a big moment. Ended up keeping a Vikings drive alive. Uh, getting burned multiple occasions. Stefan Diggs had the kind of game that he's been waiting for forever. And love Stefan Diggs as a player. His attitude—I—I uh, I, I don't know. I'm not all that impressed all the time with his attitude. I don't think anybody is. In fact, I think most of you out there that have been watching are. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. You know, in the the looking back at the guy. I mean, he wasn't taunting him, but he might as well have been. Rasul Douglas, of course, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Getting no safety help whatsoever, he was frustrated. the other cornerback also could have been burned by Adam Thielen. It just happened to be Stefan Diggs, who was uh, you know who uh, Rus- Russell Douglas was guarding at the time. so the other Philadelphia cornerback Sidney Jones also left the <clears throat> left Adam thielen opened and so one way or another, it was going to be a deep touchdown play, or uh, was it Rodney McLeod at the end of the day uh, regardless, regardless the uh, situation was very dire for uh Philadelphia secondary throughout the game today Uh, a team that had three sacks coming into the game that's another reason why their pass defense isn't going to be so good because there's not a whole lot of pass rush against the quarterback I mean three sacks in five games or excuse me four games was horse crap and then they had 10 last week against Luke Falk whoever that is you know and so that kind of (laughs) that kind of brought things back a bit Uh, Philadelphia went from three sacks to 13 in one game that is just nuts just like uh, what happened in Minnesota versus Detroit last year. But maybe in Philadelphia's case, that 10-sack football game against a team that was just not playing that day might end up meaning a whole lot of nothing at the end of the day. Philadelphia is now 3-3 and on the season. That doesn't look too good. Uh, though the NFC East is ever-winnable. Uh, you got a team in Washington, which is pretty much two wins every year at this stage. So that's how awful Washington is right now. Unless you're the Dolphins, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> kind of sad to think. The Giants, not so great. Dallas Cowboys, they're not taking the reins of that division particularly either, especially when Aaron Rodgers is in their building. Carson Wentz, I mean, I don't know. He had some really good moments today, and he had some moments that just weren't so great. Uh, But generally speaking, I thought he played very well against this Vikings defense, despite some pretty good pressure coming his way. Uh, Kirk Cousins was actually hit five times, but only sacked once in the game. So that would be their 14th sack of the season, and other than the New York Jets last week, only their fourth sack in what would be five games. Per se, at that at, at that case. So of course, fourteen and six because of the Jets game. So yeah, it's an interesting situation. Vikings run defense very solid. Jordan Howard never really got loose a whole lot. Only to twelve yard long throughout the game did I Boston Scott had a fifteen yard rush and Carson Wentz ran for sixteen yards during the course of the game. Uh, in in a game against probably the number one rush defense in the NFL right now, the Philadelphia Eagles. Delvin Cook struggled mightily. But he still got in the end zone late, which helped put in the dagger, as Wayne Larrabee would say of the Green Bay Packers. There is your dagger. Okay. A couple of trick plays. Stefan Diggs ended up running for 18 yards on a play that might have been a the typical you know pass play from the wide receiver that you see, like uh, Randy Moss to Chris Carter into the end zone. Stuff like that, the good old days. Uh, Alexander Madison, very solid in the game, but it did help that he had a 35-yard long down the stretch, also which helped put the game on ice. And again, getting Delvin Cook into the end zone very late the Philadelphia passing game obviously much more prolific versus their running game just like the Vikings it was basically Carson Wentz versus Kirk Kirk Cousins Carson Palmer right or Kirk Palmer Cousins I don't know (laughs) but Carson (laughs) Kirk Cousins very efficient throughout the game today and the only interception he had for some of you that might be box score diving at this stage was a, well, it was a tip pass up in the air by a 100%, not by a Philadelphia defender, A 100% by Stefan Diggs, who, if not for that play, might have had a pretty good chance of at least sharing the Fran Tarkington Award winner with a certain other player. I'll keep that quiet. A guy that's been well-debated throughout the season. He's finally going to get one again. <laughs> An awesome game by Kirk Cousins, though. Hint, hint. Uh, four touchdowns, 333 yards spectacular. So literally a third to a thousand there. Quarterback rating of 138.4 despite that unearned interception. Without that, he, he had a near uh, perfect quarterback rating throughout the game today. 76% completion percentage. Only attempted 29 passes, but was efficient up the you-know-what throughout the game. Hitting his targets when they were open. He was hitting them. He was not overthrowing Stefan Diggs. He was not overthrowing Adam Thielen. It's like one or two plays, sure. You're, you're going to miss something once in a while. Otherwise, you're just simply throwing the ball away. Blah, blah, blah. And, of course, Stefan Diggs did drop multiple passes in the game. And the third one that was not caught was a, was tipped up for an interception like a volleyball player setting up somebody for a spike. I mean, that's basically what it was. Uh, Stefan Diggs, though, there was the Diggs ratio today. The, instead of the Randy ratio, it was the Diggs ratio. They're digging the ratio. 11 targets. Adam Thielen, despite not feeling well, Still managed to get 57 yards, and gosh darn it, Kyle Rudolph got three catches in the game. Didn't get in the end zone, unfortunately, but oh well. It was it was a cool cool couple moments for Kyle Rudolph throughout the game. Uh, underutilized last year in a similar role. Uh, Ola B.C. Johnson's one catch might have been a drop. It might have been a drop, because, but luckily for the Vikings, they got away with it. He had some control of the ball, but it was like his he was just holding on to the edge of the ball as as it, the other side tipped into the ground. So kind of lucky that they got that one. That was a nice, crucial first down. The refs were not really on Philadelphia's side in this game, today. they? Not a whole lot of bad, egregious calls, though, luckily. And the Vikings had a situation where Adam Thielen most likely did get into the end zone fairly early in the game. A spectacular play. It was close. He may have been in, may not have been in. More than likely he would have been in, but unfortunately that play was not reviewable, which figures. A play that might have been a game-changing moment. Laquan Treadwell also probably made his best catch of his career in the game today on a third down reception. So imagine that. Kirk Cousins going to Laquan Treadwell on a third down, of course very late in the game when it didn't matter as much. But he tiptoed the sidelines like good old Chris Carter. So a 15-yard gain in his first catch of the season, Chris Carter style for the, <laughs> the risen from the dead Laquan Treadwell. Oh, boy. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for him that he was able to make that play. It's, a, it's good for him, and keep doing it. Maybe he might be able to barely hang on as a fourth receiver for Minnesota, for Carolina, for the San Francisco 49ers, for somebody, whoever. <laughs> as Jerry Burns might say, some damn thing. A, a great play, a tip pass, a pass interference call, something. Something. So that's basically what Laquan Treadwell is looking for at this point. A squadron left, squadron fly for his career there. And uh, at least he made a nice play on that third down conversion. Uh, Delvin Cook hit on a couple of screens that did not break loose, unfortunately. They really focused on young Delvin. But luckily for Minnesota, Kirk Cousins was accurate. And you have two other massive weapons. Mm -hmm. Other than the other two tight ends, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, who also are weapons, just they weren't utilized as much in today's game. Uh, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen targeted a combined 19 times in the game. The tight ends targeted five times, and they made a catch in every single play in the tight ends cases. Uh, A 29-yard gain after a zero gain on a desperation kind of get rid of the ball play to the uh, uh, much younger number 84 for Minnesota. (laughs) We all know who used to wear that many years ago. Can't believe it's been that long already. It's only 21 years ago, but it's been that long since that guy was a rookie, the original 84, you could say. Uh, boy, other than Tony Bland, I suppose, before Ramos. <laughs> but nope, all catches were made by the tight ends. They were, uh, But that 29-yard play was pretty cool down the stretch, which again helped put the game on ice, one of the later drives in the game. Uh, Thielen and Diggs, pretty spectacular throughout the game today. Dan Bailey made everything he needed to. All five extra points, a 39-yard kick, and uh, all is well. All is well with the world for Dan Bailey. That's great. Uh, gotta love what Dan Bailey's doing. He's Mr. Consistent, Mr. Solid, and I'm happy he's the Minnesota Vikings kicker. Jake Elliott's one of the best kickers in the in the world, you could say. 53-yarder for Philly. And he threw an interception in the game on a play that probably shouldn't have happened. I, I don't know. Uh, Philadelphia was driving, getting back in the game after the Vikings had taken a sizable lead philadelphia kind of crawling back crawling back minnesota had gotten all the way up to 24 to 3 philadelphia had made it 24 to 10 and the very later stages in the game philadelphia was going to have to elect to kick a field goal to make it 24 13 or at least so we thought and then they wanted to go for the goal to make it 24 17 after the vikings made a nice strong stop to force the eagles into what we believe was a kicking situation which would have been a gimme for uh Mr. Jake Elliott, but uh, unfortunately Philadelphia elected for to fake the kick. It's it's Doug Peterson. I mean he's he's a tricky guy. Obviously he's he's done this before. He's done other plays. The uh, touchdown pass to Nick Foles, the trick play in the Super Bowl, which helped put the Eagles ahead by was it ten points in the Super Bowl? Big difference making play, and a big momentum turn that hurt the Patriots and kind of kept them at bay and kept them well trying to catch up rather than owning the game and having and having the lead, and having Philadelphia lose their third Super Bowl in their franchise history, so, which could have easily happened, but unfortunately it didn't for the Patriots. Uh, yep, that was the last time the Philadelphia Eagles played in U.S. Bank Stadium. They were Super Bowl champions after pissing a lot of us off. Uh, Philadelphia scored 38 points against Minnesota last time. Uh, well, it wasn't the last time they played, but that year. So, kind of interesting how Minnesota won up with 38 in the game. It's almost like it was just meant to be. But again, back to the fake field goal, of course. It was hiked right to the kicker, right to the kicker, Elliott, rather than to maybe a backup quarterback or if Carson Wentz was holding, uh, whatever. It went right to the kicker, and, well, it just wasn't a good play. They forced the kicker to make a play by himself one way or another, running for a first down, which maybe was possible, uh, he tried to force it to Ertz, and of course, it was tipped and intercepted by the captain of the Minnesota defense. That guy, of course, is none other than your favorite guy, Everson Griffin, number 97, of course. Uh, he did not actually make a tackle in the game today, which is hard to believe. Just didn't get to, uh, didn't get to Carson Wentz, but he did get the interception. He did deflect multiple passes, so he was kind of more backing up in the case of the game. Of course, again, not a whole lot of run plays for either team. Uh, Linval Joseph did wind up with six tackles on the game. Anthony Barr, a big factor throughout the game, but was beat pretty cleanly on the Sanders touchdown. That was a uh, defensive breakdown where Barr maybe should have been, should have maybe stayed more man on defense, and he didn't. It was more of a zone defense still for Anthony Barr. He was guarding an area rather than a player, and that ended up costing the Vikings on the Sanders touchdown, which helped put Philly back in the game. But generally speaking, Barr was pretty solid, and he did recover a fumble, which was knocked away by Eric Kendricks down the stretch as well. Forced fumble by Eric Kendricks, who wound up with a half-sack. Daniel Hunter adding yet another stack. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander blitzing the quarterback and joined by Eric Kendricks on that sack. So pretty cool to see Mackenzie Alexander back healthy again after that pretty scary-looking elbow injury. Nice to see McKenzie Alexander back in action. And uh, he has really turned out to be a pretty good player. He also added the interception, which did not get a return. But again, for the 99th time now, put the game on ice. Yet another play that put the game on ice. Uh, Mike Hughes, very solid throughout the game as well, denying pass after pass after pass. Didn't make a single tackle because every pass that went his way was knocked away or just flat out defended. Very nice, uh, very nice showing by Mike Hughes throughout the game. Love, love what that guy's brought he is 100% ready to go from that injury, and of course, again, has probably learned a significant amount in his absence. Well, he was able to watch and, and learn. The one annoying moment, again, the Stefan Diggs interception. Well, I, I credit Stefan Diggs with that interception, even though it goes to Kirk Cousins, because it has to. Tipped in the air. The most annoying part is who it went to. It went to make and if, make football violent again. Uh, Anderson Dejo. Yeah. And I had nothing against the guy. It's just his last year and a half here. He just wasn't that good. And, of course, it didn't help that he had a concussion and he wasn't available in the Philadelphia game. That did not help either. Kind of interesting how he wasn't even available against Philadelphia. And then he winds up on Philadelphia. That's funny. Uh, But that tip pass was intercepted by Sendejo for 15 yards. So, yay, Andrew Sendejo, You got to get an interception against your old team. Hard to believe he was here for eight years. That's pretty impressive. Uh, pretty impressive standing from him, and uh, good good going. Now, during the course of the week, Zach Brown was basically saying that Kirk Cousins is the weakest link of the Minnesota Vikings offense, to basically paraphrase it in in a nutshell. That Kirk Cousins is the weakest link of the Minnesota offense, because you got Delvin Cook, who's almost a league MVP candidate, Adam Thielen, who was pretty much the MVP of football the first half of the uh, season last year, because of his 100-yard uh, games consecutive, eight straight games with 100-plus yards, and Stefan Diggs, who is, well, ever dangerous. He only got 167 yards today. That's pretty damn crazy. <laughs> and, I mean, Alexander Madison is a weapon, if you like him or not. He is. Uh, seven catches, 167 yards, three touchdowns. That's fantasy. That's a fantasy dream. If If he's your fantasy wide receiver today, after all the disappointment and frustration that you may have had throughout the first five weeks of this damn season, because <laughs> he just never got the ball... He, well, it was your dream day. And again, you're going against a Philadelphia secondary that was confused and just not in sync. They just weren't. They got absolutely torched in this game to make it light. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was talking about all the weapons and that Kirk Cousins is uh, the weakest link. But nice to see Kirk Cousins come back and uh, well, show a little chip on his shoulder. And you hope he can just keep going. I mean, I'm the kind of guy, somebody says that it's going to be going on the whole damn season all the damn time, I just get that way I need little things, just little things can motivate me to want to stomp people out and uh, I I want Kirk Cousins to be that way I'm sure a lot of you listening that have played sports in the past, you might have a bit of that in you, and Kirk Cousins well, if you're going to play like this or anything close to it, you hope and pray that uh, other things can motivate him along the way or just keep that in his head forever whatever it is, if I'm the weakest link here's your weakest link, this and that And, of course, the Vikings tweeted out that he was the weakest link and with laughing emojis. That's cool, the Vikings' Twitter account. And after the game, when uh, Mr. Zach was uh, (laughs) interviewed about it, he he said, you want to talk about the game today? I'm not talking about that. You want to talk about the game today? And he just kept pushing it away, pushing it away. But, unfortunately, Kirk Cousins was part of the game. He threw for 333 yards, four touchdowns, and a tip pass that was intercepted that wasn't his fault. So, at the end of the day... Zach Brown's the one uh, with egg on his face. And, well, that's that's how it goes. If you're going to make blunt statements, if you're going to come out and put put bulletin board material out there, you're going to get asked about it, especially if your team gets torched by the very player that you, you know, were putting that bulletin board material about uh, out there. So I'm sorry. It's just, it it is what it is. You pretty much asked for it, and you got it. Toyota. (laughs) You asked for it, you got it. So, I don't know, free plug I guess for the for the other the the other Japanese car company. I, I tend to stick with Honda for now, but uh I don't know. Good overall, solid game for Minnesota. Philadelphia scared us a little bit here and there. There weren't really a whole lot of moments in this game that you thought like, God, we suck. Oh my god. But Philadelphia's got some talent, obviously. And Carson Wentz showed why he's a top five draft pick, this and that. And in moments, uh, I thought it was one one of his better games of the season at the end of the day, and that's pretty impressive because the Vikings' secondary is good. Vikings' run defense is better than their secondary, though, right now. I would definitely say if you're looking for a weakness in Minnesota, it's the cornerbacks outside of Mike Hughes. Trey Waynes is beatable. He's kind of a bend-but-don't-break. And Xavier Rhodes is pray-to-God he doesn't break down. That type of thing. He's like driving a Ford Mustang from the early 90s that, you know, maybe always had transmission problems. That type of thing. That's kind of what... (laughs) Xavier Rhodes is right now. Uh, frustrating as hell. But uh, he'll he'll tease you with those big moments. With those big moments when you gun that engine type of thing, which is what that old Ford Mustang might do. Um, but uh, Mike Hughes is, he is the, he is, uh, him and uh, McKenzie Alexander definitely are standing out as the better cornerbacks right now. I'd have to say, it's is the young guys versus uh, Trey Waynes, who's still young, but not super young and Xavier Rose is really not old, but I guess aging as a cornerback, believe it or not. What drives me crazy, though, is how people are talking about Xavier Rose like he's really hes old, he's past his prime, and then you had a guy like Daryl Green who was able to still stick to Randy Bleepin Moss in 1998. A rookie, Randy Moss, when he was like maximum speed, maximum warp, that type of speed. Daryl Green at age 38 of Washington still could, uh, of the Washington Redskins still could keep up with Randy Moss at least enough, at least enough to, to deny him uh, any end zone play. And, and, and I was at that game in 1998. I was lucky enough to get tickets for that game with an old friend. Uh, that was pretty cool. So that was a wonderful memory. Got to see Moss as a rookie as we torched that Washington team, the Washington Redskins, with Gus uh, desperatic quarterback. So with that said, 38-20. to 20, What more is there to say? Nice, thorough passing game. Nice pass protection against a team that doesn't get a whole lot of sacks unless you're the New York Jets, who suck and are quitting and are tanking as much as the Miami Dolphins right now. I would have to say, and Washington stinks too. With that, they stink just like they did in 98, pretty much. I mean, every year there's some awful NFL teams. There's about three or four teams that are just awful. Uh, 98 was Washington, Chicago, teams like that. Right now, obviously, it's not as much Jacksonville as it was a couple years ago, like Miami, Washington, Denver, Cincinnati. Those are your awful teams right now uh, with probably a couple of them missing. Atlanta, shoot. They're losing to Arizona. Atlanta is getting beat pretty thoroughly by Arizona right now. I don't care if it's home or road. That's bad. Ooh, I'm seeing something else that's making me smile. <laughs> that's funny. Just wait till segment two, unless something changes dramatically, and I hope it doesn't. That's funny. I like what I'm seeing. <laughs> oh, man, another one. Disappointing. Mm. So, what the devil, yeah. There's going to be uh, segment two is going to be very interesting. Mm. With that said, let's get to the awards. Fran Tarkington Award goes to today's version of Fran Tarkington. Okay, not really, but he's he did move around. He's much more mobile with these rollouts. I like it, the boot bootleg and all that. So I like what we're seeing out there with the uh, Kirk Cousins moving around more and and all that. Uh, it's more it's it's more successful. You're avoiding sacks by being mobile rather than just standing there and eating the ball like he did most of last season with uh, John D. Filippo as the offensive coordinator. It's just a better offense for Kirk Cousins, and it worked against a pass defense that wasn't good. And Kirk Cousins won a game against a, a team that was above 500 before the game anyway. Now they are 500, so it kind of counts. Kirk Cousins is your Fran Tarkington Award winner for today. So congratulations, well played. Now let's uh, go against a defense that might be a little bit better in Detroit. Might be a little bit better. With that said, the Christian Ponder Memorial, eh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not that upset right now at really anybody. Is there really anybody to complain about? I mean, Britton Colquitt, by the way, I I, got to say this, as lame as this might sound or you might not care, this and that, he's one of the best punters in the NFL. I don't know what Cleveland was thinking, actually. Just because you got a young guy who's got potential and everything, sometimes it's good to keep the veteran, isn't it? Like Kai Forbath versus uh whoever the heck, Daniel Carlson, you know? I would have kept Kai Forbath. Britton Colquitt is one of the best punters in the NFL. I'm very happy to have this guy, and he can and he's a good holder. I hope these guys are the kickers for the next five years or so, if they keep this up. Because obviously kickers and punters, they can last till they're forty. I mean just look at Derry Anderson, Morton Anderson. Uh you know, some of those guys lasted forever. So with that said, I'm very pleased with our kickers, and that's good. <laughs> it's a good feeling. I, obviously, you want to see them do it on the road in a cold, blustery playoff game in January. But uh, we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I, I'm not that upset at anybody right now. I mean, <laughs> I'm annoyed with Stefan Diggs a little bit with that ball getting tipped in the air and Anthony Barr getting burned on the play to Sanders. Trey Wayne's. I mean, was he bad in the game? No. Was Eric Kendricks bad? Absolutely not. He was pretty damn good. Dale Hunter, outstanding. It's funny how Everson Griffin had, you know, he was not very active, but he was active enough. I mean, he was pressuring Tarzan Wentz. It's just funny how he didn't register a single tackle. That is the darndest thing when you think about that. Uh, Harrison Smith was solid throughout the game. I mean, just generally speaking, the secondary Xavier Rhodes, just, you know, just adequate. I can't give him a... I don't think he was bad. McKenzie Alexander, I just love what he can do. Love his future. So, Christian Potter Memorial... I'm going to pass on that this week. I'm I'm going to pass on it. Other than just the play, the Stefan Diggs play. Urban legend is, of, of all things, why would it have to go to Anderson Day, of all people? That's just how it is. And the other urban legend is Minnesota scored 38 points against a team that beat them 38-7 to in the NFC Championship game. The last time that team played in this stadium was when they won the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. That's a pretty weird urban legend, but I guess that's why it's an urban legend, because it's supposed to be weird. With that said, we'll take a quick break and we'll look at the rest of the NFL with some very intriguing turns of events, some plot twists in the NFL, some unexpected losses and wins for certain teams. Very unexpected. Very interesting how the landscape of the National Football League and home field advantage and all that stuff is starting to take shape. And uh, there is a certain team that plays uh, maybe about a thousand miles south of here. Same time zone and everything. That's got some catching up to do if they're going to be a number one seed in the AFC now. That's a pretty good hint. You probably know already. But we'll talk about that in the next segment right after this. Back here on Purple Mafia segment number two, going to look around the NFL and the NFC North. I guess around the NFL because of the uh, <laughs> because the Chicago Bears were on the bye, and Detroit and Green Bay don't play until tomorrow. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird, unique situation. So we'll look around the NFL a bit, and of course preview the Vikings and Detroit Lions. Minnesota is four and two. Detroit is two one and one. Again, we'll get back to that shortly. Let's look around the NFL a bit. Thursday night, the rematch of multiple Super Bowls, New England and New York. New York, definitely not uh, looking like the old days at all, New England Patriots. Well, I mean, it was kind of a close game early. It was even 14-14 to 14 for a while there. But then New England just kind of pulled away down the stretch. New York started making mistakes, and the Patriots kind of capitalized as they do. 6-0 and New England Patriots, as they are more than likely going to be like Golden Gopher football and go to like 8-0 or something like that. Both clubs are 6-0. and You know, the Gopher football team and the New England Patriots are 6-0. Oh, and by the way, one other important thing that is important to me, maybe not important to anyone else. Okay, I'm sure you'll like it and appreciate it. This is the 300th episode of Pro Bowl Mafia. Number 300! And I didn't even mention it on the, in the first segment, but, uh, well, you know, it's uh, one of those things. Sometimes you just you know you just kind of keep moving and you don't even realize it and it's like yeah that's right it is the 300th episode of Purple Mafia so yeah uh, wonderful milestone it's been a long run I'll talk about it some more in segment number three I think yeah there's a couple people on there that may have mentioned it possibly because well it was 299 last episode pretty simple math there 299 plus one is 299.1 no okay not exactly. But yeah, the Patriots roll all over Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. There were some mistakes along the way, and it just wasn't a good game for the Giants. The New England Patriots' pass defense is nuts. Uh, Tom Brady was efficient; didn't actually, <laughs> didn't actually uh, throw any touchdown passes, but got the yardage, got the team down the field, and Sony Michael, uh, excuse me, Sony Michelle, and Tom Brady himself running in from the goal line. Tom Brady two touchdowns rushing. So you didn't get the. Uh, Passing touchdowns, but you get two rushing touchdowns from Tom Brady at the goal line. Patriots offense taking control in the later stages of the game. Golden Tate led the way for the Giants with 102 yards. Otherwise, Julian Edelman another huge game, only 15 targets from his best buddy, Tom Brady along the way. Gotta love what the Patriots have been able to do over a long course of time. And I don't know, <clears throat> a lot of you don't like them. I think they're just fine. And well, they're they're on a roll. As per usual, Sunday Night Football tonight is Pittsburgh and the Los Angeles Chargers in that stadium, that stadium. I do have an addendum in errata to get to as well. I talked about the Raiders and the Chicago Bears last week about it was in Oakland, and I knew it was in England, and even the name of the stadium, yeah, like, hello. That's not that's that's not Oakland. Uh, so I deeply apologize for that silliness. It was just a brain fart during the course of the show as I was watching it in the early hours there, having some breakfast and such, like a late breakfast like I do on Sundays after church. Yeah, it was in New England. Yeah, it was It was in England. Not New England, it was in the England. good, to jolly old England, that type of thing. So, duh. And there was another game as well. The Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Cluccaneers, the Tampa Bay Schmuccaneers. Yep, that's what they are. They're a bunch of schmucks. Uh, and... What's-his-name is a big schmuck, the old Crabmaster, Jameson. Well, they have some good games. They have some bad games. I feel bad for Bruce Arians because, I don't know, uh, things didn't end well in Arizona, and it wasn't his fault. Just people got hurt. A guy by the name of Carson Palmer got hurt. The defense started getting hurt as well. Honey Badger getting hurt and other players along the way and other players getting old and leaving. And it's just, you know, it's just, that's the NFL. It's not for long. Whether you're a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, defensive line, offensive line, whatever it is, it's not for long unless you're really lucky. Uh, Tom Brady has been for long, yes. Uh, the Carolina Panthers don't look now; they're four too. two. I mean, they're they're the Atlanta Falcons of the AFC. Uh, excuse me, the uh, the the NFC South, and yes, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham, see Hotspur—that makes me sound like that makes me think about like San Antonio, Texas, or something. But nope, it's Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Very intriguing as well. So yes. Uh, Jolly old England hosting the Cluckineers and uh Mr Mr. Schmuckineers. Uh the uh I I don't even know what to say. It it's just it was bad. Carolina Carolina did what they needed to and Kyle Allen's been a pretty solid quarterback in the stead of that other clown. Okay, okay, I know. He's the greatest ever. We can't say anything mean about him, but uh I I'm not even gonna get to him right now. Kyle Allen did a good job for the Carolina Panthers. They're four and two, and you know, old Ron Rivera is doing a good job. He's hanging on to his job. A lot of people thought maybe he's on the hot seat because that's just again not for long, and it is what it is. But they're three and two. Carolina's sneaking up on people again, just like they did back in uh, 2017. Jameis Winston. Let's talk about this guy. He attempted 54 passes. You know, Jameis Winston reminded me of a bit. Is uh, what's uh, <laughs> even you know. The former Buccaneer and one-game Viking, Josh Freeman. That's he's reminding me of a bit right now, with all the attempted passes and the incompletions. And the, He only had five interceptions and, and a fumble. He only had six turnovers in the game. You know, that's kind of Culpepper-like, too. He, he threw for the yardage, 400 yards, Jameis Winston. But, yeah, he's not a number one overall pick. Uh, I mean, he was, but he isn't, you know, that type of thing. Christian McCaffrey stifled a bit at the line there, stifled in the rushing category, still got on the end zone once for the fantasy people, so, eh, you know, he got that done, and the receiving only 26 yards, so good job, Tampa, you got that guy stopped, but you didn't stop a whole lot else And your quarterback, and all his awful mistakes didn't help either, wide receivers had nice games, of course, Chris Goodwin, Mike Evans, you saw Evans out there, um, Cameron Bright, yeah, guys like that. They had their nice game and everything, but at the end of the day, awful game for Tampa Bay, and yeah. Well, Carolina's just better. Christian McCaffrey saved face for any fantasy person who, you know, was counting on him to have a big game. At least he got in the end zone, and that's all she wrote. Good rush defense by Tampa there. Let's move on. Seattle and Cleveland, Vince Germano's Cleveland Browns. They're still at second place in the awful NFC North. 2-4. and They had this game. They were doing so well. They were beating Seattle the entire bleeping game. And then the final score, guess what? Yeah, Seattle freaking wins. That was disheartening just a little bit. The final score. Now, of course, Seattle did take the lead. And Nick Chubb was able to get in the end zone after a good solid drive by the Cleveland Browns. Also converting a two-point conversion Mayfield to Demetrius Harris. But unfortunately, it just did not work out at the end of the day. Seattle was able to drive the ball down the field or, over the course of time, and Cleveland just couldn't get the job done, wound up with the interception. Baker Mayfield did have an opportunity for a fourth down, uh, fourth quarter comeback to wrap things up, fourth quarter drive. He had three minutes and 30 seconds, but I don't know. It's not like too much time for Teddy or anything. It was. Uh, I, I feel much more nervous if it was Russell Wilson as the quarterback with a four-point lead or three-point lead, this type of thing. <clears throat> But fortunately for Seattle, it's the other way around there. They're the one with Russell Wilson and the lead. So that was kind of all she wrote. Baker Mayfield, another number one pick, not living up to the hype right now, even though he's had some big moments, some big games. But um, yeah, the whole situation with uh, Richard Sherman, Mr. Big Mouth, was a big mouth again. You know, the one time, because I hate people that snub snub you, like say you want to shake their hand, you want to do the fist pound, like now it's becoming, now it's becoming fashionary to ignore somebody's fist pound and just, like, diss them. I think that's douchey. I think that's awful. And ignoring somebody's handshake is kind of douchey, that type of thing. And then it turns out that wasn't even true, and the stupid Richard Sherman made it up. What? Due to visual evidence with the camera. What? what? Why would you make something like that up again? But, I mean, I was just going to say, it's like you're thinking, oh, what a douche. Why would you ignore the guy's, uh, what what a clown. Why would you ignore the guy's handshake? Regardless if you like him or not even if 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 i didn't you know even though I've never liked Richard Sherman, if he extended his hand to me, I'm gonna shake it I don't care I'm gonna shake it anyone that extends their hand to me i'm gonna shake it unless they're being completely sarcastic or something. that's the only reason I would you know not shake it so whatever, at the end of the day <laughs> for him to make it up what wow. Yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield, I don't know. I, I wish I wish he could get his head together. I hope he can. I hope he can get a better head on his shoulders in the next couple of years. I'd hate to see Cleveland just continue to struggle when it looked like they had their guy. It really did. It really did. They have the running back. I mean, Nick Chubb is fantastic. But if you have your quarterback and your running back and even some good solid receivers and some guys that are obnoxious too, like Odell Beckham, but he's a good receiver. Jarvis Landry is a good receiver. Nick Chubb is for a fairly versatile, but he's a fantastic running back a good team, and they had a good defense with Greg Williams, of all people, leading the way last year. Greg Williams, you know, he, he did a pretty good job for the Jets today, I'd have to say, but yeah, we'll just leave Greg Williams alone. Cleveland, I wish they beat Seattle, bottom line. What a bummer. I don't like the Seahawks. They're 5-1. and one. Can you believe that? And there's a reason why they're still second place, despite a pretty elite record there. I mean, 5-1 and one is elite. That's elite. And yes, good on Mr. Fleck. <laughs> Mr. P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers, 6-0. and Yes, elite. They are elite right now. They're 20th in the country. They haven't been ranked 20th since, like, back in the day, man. And that's pretty cool. Good on the Goofs. The Goofs. The Goofs. Let's talk about another crazy score. Okay, this one wasn't that crazy. I'm sure most people would have picked Seattle, even though it was in Cleveland. And, god dang it, I want Cleveland to be better, and I want them to win. I want to see them succeed. But, I don't know, there's a little too much ego in a place like that. I don't know. Oh, I love that 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 striped end zone. That's so classic, so old school. Let's move on though. What's going on with the Chiefs, huh? So much for home field advantage against the New England Patriots or anything, and it didn't help enough last year. It was it was good, and the Minnesota Vikings never win there. And if we do, wow, good on us. We usually win in Minnesota, but almost but never in Arrowhead Field. I don't remember seeing it happen. Arrowhead Stadium per se. I don't remember us ever beating the Chiefs. And you think four and two? That's a good record. But here's the thing. Do you realize Kansas City would be one of the lowest seeds in the AFC if the playoffs started today? Because guess what? Houston Texans now have a, high, have a tiebreaker against them. So if somehow, way, these teams meet in the postseason, Houston gets home field advantage. That's right, folks. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. And people are talking about Tyreek Hill like he's the best receiver ever, and other people are laughing at it. And he's very good. We'll leave that as is. Um Sean Watson, very elite game for him. Very solid. A couple of interceptions, though, that didn't help. The Chiefs defense gets the job done when they need to. But generally speaking, Kansas City just didn't win the game today. They just didn't. Uh, veteran, Wiley veteran, LaShawn McCoy, only had eight rushes in the game, but was efficient in the time he did. But, I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, Kansas City did go up to 10 nothing in the game. And, again, that's how it goes when you have an elite quarterback like uh, Patrick Mahomes. You're probably not going to run a whole lot, even though it might be wise to mix things up a bit just to keep things honest. It just didn't work out. Kansas City, only 24 points against this good, solid Houston defense. I mean, they just got the job done. Uh, Mahomes had some spectacular plays, but he wasn't as accurate today. And, again, Houston's defense stifled him a bit, uh, knocking some passes down and all that, forced an interception, a fumble from Patrick Mahomes, he he fumbles, he fumbles a little bit. I mean, there there isn't a perfect quarterback in football. You know, Tom Brady fumbled, and the uh, Patriots lost the Super Bowl, you know, to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, there is no perfect quarterback. There's no perfect quarterback, no matter how great he is. He's going to get beat. He's going to make a mistake via fumble. He's going to get tricked. He's going to get fooled, this and that, and the ball's going to come out, or he's going to throw an interception, or he's going to get super unlucky, like of all people, <laughs> of all people, Kirk Cousins was unlucky, rather than like a stupid, dumb play. He was unlucky because of uh, the tipped up, tipped up pass by our old friend Stefan Diggs, that type of thing. But Kansas City, two losses in a row, two games behind the New England Patriots, and they are behind Houston Texans now in the tiebreaker. So, yeah, that's not good. That's a I don't know, Kansas City, so much for Arrowhead Stadium, like being the road to the Super Bowl I don't think so, and I thought it would be, I, I did but then again, no, I did pick New England number one this year, I I did and it looks like I'm going to be right <laughs> it looks like I'm going to be right, and that yeah, no, nope, yeah, I did pick Kansas City, I, I did pick Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, but it looks like it's going to be New England again okay, let's talk about the poop bowl the toilet bowl, the this bowl the that bowl and I'm going to say this again I say this almost every week. I like the Miami Dolphins. I do. I don't want them to stink, but they do. They do stink. There's only one team in the in the NFL that uh, you'd think Miami should beat, and that's the Washington Redskins. Maybe, at least a chance, an opportunity to beat them, and they just didn't. And <laughs> Washington wins 17 to 16. Yikes, Case Keenum, and it's sad because we all like Case Keenum and we remember the great memories there. And wait, well, he torched Washington. He torched Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins. In 2017, just torched him, but he had multiple interceptions down the stretch as well. You're seeing Josh Rosen, you're seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you're seeing a whole lot of crud. That's what you're saying. I you saw Josh Rosen play like ass. You saw Ryan Fitzpatrick play significantly better, but not good enough. Dolphins are 0 and 5. The Washington Redskins are 1 and 5. <laughs> 1 and 5. Adrian Peterson, hey, and I remember him having some good games against the Dolphins. I remember him getting getting stopped on the uh, fourth down on the goal line as well against the Dolphins, actually. He had some awful games against them, to be fair. As did Dante Culpepper, even though it was an entertaining first uh, game in his career back in 2000. But the Dolphins had a tough defense back in the earlier 2000s and into the mid-2000s, believe it or not. But nice to see Adrian back in the century mark again, because you know he's climbing that ladder. He's climbing that ladder. Getting a Super Bowl ring seems like pretty unlikely because I don't think any competitive team is going to have Adrian on there. And He's more focused on fine. If I'm not going to get to be on some elite team and ever get the ball, might as well keep climbing that ladder of the all-time running list, uh, all-time uh, rushing yards list. He's he's doing that with the uh, with games like today, no doubt, no doubt. Otherwise, it's an awful game and let's keep moving. It's an awful matchup and it was a home game for the Dolphins and oh God, oh Dolphins, 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 Hard Rock Stadium. Hard rain gonna fall, right? Hard rain's gonna fall in Hard Rock Stadium, man. I'm telling you. Ooh, 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 ooh. New Orleans actually played some defense, and they've been doing it most of the season. And Teddy Bridgewater's used to games like this, somewhat in Minnesota. And the, uh, of course, his whole career in Minnesota was under Mike Zimmer. And you saw games, well, a little higher scoring than this. I mean, this is really low scoring. Thirteen to six, New Orleans getting the job done. In Jacksonville, TIAA Bankfield. I don't know about any Bank Bankfield or anything, but I don't know about any bank like that. But uh, Gardner Minshew was really stifled today. He couldn't even get to 50%. Only had one interception, but uh, not a good game at all. He was shut down pretty good. And, of course, New Orleans is, uh, let's be fair, I mean, New Orleans secondary is pretty elite. I'm using that word a lot today. Teddy Bridgewater, very, very, very efficient. This was a Bridgewater kind of game. I mean, you had games like last week where he turned it up, three or four touchdowns, 300 yards. And then you had games like this where he didn't make mistakes and he had a quarterback rating in the mid-90s, 200-plus ish, 200 plus yards and, you know, completed two-thirds of his passes and didn't make mistakes. I mean, you know, you know, uh, would would you take that? Uh, yeah. I like Kirk Cousins' game today, but I'd take this on a consistent basis. Michael Thomas, 89 yards receiving. Jared Cook, the tight end, got in the end zone. The only player to get in the end zone in the entire game. The Jacksonville Jaguars were able to get a couple kicks from Curly Josh Lambeau. Sorry. It's <laughs> 22 and 32 yards. And other than that, the Jaguars dropped a 2 and 4. And the New Orleans Saints are now 5 and 1 with Teddy Bridgewater, leading them to a 4 and 0 record in his stead. That is pretty damn cool. Good for him. Bengals, the Bungles, they stink, they're awful, they're 0-6. They have the worst record in football, even worse than the Dolphins at this moment. The Baltimore Ravens are the only team in the AFC North that has a winning record. They're the only team, so they're the only team Kirk Cousins would have to worry about, right? Okay, I'm sorry, I gotta cut that out. Cincinnati had some promising moments, but generally speaking, whatever. Uh, They returned a kickoff, 92 yards. The opening kickoff of the game, 92 yards. Okay, Cincinnati's finally going to win a game. No, they didn't. They just didn't after that. And I don't know. They didn't do a whole much after that. They scored 10 more points at Baltimore. Got the job done. Andy Dalton with an Andy Daltonish game. Uh, just over 50%. Interception. Quarterback rating in the low 60s. Yuck. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't sold a lot of people yet. I like him. Putting up solid numbers, but... Again, he's more mistake and accident-prone than a Teddy Bridgewater, his former counterpart in Louisville. I'm not comparing him for a certain reason. I'm comparing him because of the school he came from, okay? And the fact he was traded up for in the very last pick of the first round. Very crazy how all that was, like, there. But, uh, and again, Lamar Jackson, completely different than Teddy Bridgewater. That's the whole point. He makes more mistakes, but he's also way more athletic. 152 yards on the ground for Lamar Jackson. He was in offensive force. As a running quarterback in the game, that's just all there's to say. I mean, Joe Mixon, all that hype coming in, he he got ten yards and eight rushes. And yes, Baltimore's defense has been good since, like you know, since like freaking Lincoln was president. Okay, not quite that long, but quite a while. Um, it's been it's been good for a while, for the most part. Uh, Lamar Jackson, man, to get to get one hundred and fifty-two yards. I mean, Michael Vick, like here, man. I mean, one hundred and fifty-two yards on the ground for Lamar Jackson, pretty cool. And the passing game was working for the most part. Uh total all purpose yards are Lamar Jackson in this game. About four hundred when you have the ball you and know, almost two hundred and fifty yards passing and then one fifty on the ground. Pretty freaking cool. I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's a great player and uh well not great player, I think he's a great athlete with a lot of potential. And we'll see. Best of luck and Baltimore's in first place. I mean bottom line, win your division and go from there. That's just all there is to say. George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the San Francisco 49ers are 5-0. They are undefeated for the first time since 1997 in the Steve Young era. Of course, Jerry Rice got hurt that year, remember, and he came back very late, and then he broke his bleep at kneecap. 49ers had an incredible record of 13-3. and They actually had home field advantage over the Green Bay Slackers, but ended up losing in the NFC title game. They just weren't good enough. The Packers are way better, and luckily the Denver Broncos rolled all over that club. No, they didn't roll all over, but they were better at the end of the day because they had Terrell Davis in the Super Bowl. That was one of the more fun Super Bowls I have ever seen in my life. I really love that game, and I love Terrell Davis so much. I talk about him all the time, don't I? I can't get him out of my mind because what a player he could have been if he didn't tear his ACL in 1999. Oh, makes me sick. Jared Goff. Man, that San Francisco defense, though, you know, again, the 1997 San Francisco 49ers were 5-0, and not because of how great Steve Young was. Now, don't get me wrong, he was very good, he was very efficient. He was good. But they were very limited because, well, there was no Jerry Rice, the running back, I, I can't even remember who the running back was that year. I can't even remember, that's the thing. It was like running back by committee. Kind of like, no, I couldn't tell you who the running Oh, no, no, Tevin Coleman's actually pretty decent from Atlanta, former Falcon but he's decent. He's not great. He's, you know, Freeman was supposed to be the better one at times. And of course, Jarek McKinnon's out for the season again, which stinks. Um, it's a similar team to that team back in 97. Though you could argue that team was better. Obviously, Steve Young was still Steve Young. And they had some damn good defensive players on that team. I mean, that defense was awesome in 1997. So this is the closest team to that team. San Francisco has had some pretty good defenses, of course. Remember back when... Uh, Back in about 2008 2009, they had some good defenses as well um, when uh, Singletary was coaching them, Mike Singletary. Uh, but of course, there was that other side to things. Mike Singletary, a little too crazy. Him and Vernon Davis, and that guy still playing, and their' kind of back and forth situation. George Kittle, the ever dangerous tight end, over 100 yards. But to, the, for the Rams to go from three and zero to three and three, oof. And there's another team that did that today too, three and zero to three and three yep three and oh, two, three and three yep yep that's, that's really something when you sit down and think about that the arizona cardinals are on a two game winning streak hey how about them cardinals and uh kaya a <laughs> man oh man oh man mr murray kyler murray wow whatever you know he is he he he's the real deal i think we finally have a real deal player here matt ryan was the first quarterback taken in the 2008 NFL draft. I always remember that pretty well. Third overall that year. Four touchdowns, 356 yards. Very prolific game between him and Kyler Murray. Very entertaining game. Like, don't get me wrong. But, well, the State Farm State Farm and the NFL, they got to be working together here. Uh, There's no Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking anybody in State Farm Stadium. Or Patrick Mahomes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine those two guys? Man. Uh, Arizona Cardinals going black today black and red instead of their classic red and black look you know more red yeah um i don't know i i I don't know but uh whatever it was it was a very prolific back and forth passing matchup epic battle between these clubs matt ryan completed 83 percent kyler murray 73 percent. they attempted about the same amount of passes the yardage is almost the same quarterback ratings way over 100 no interceptions this is a good game. It's too bad the teams' records are so awful. What a fun freaking game! This is fun, you know. <laughs> Four touchdowns for Matt Ryan. Three touchdowns for Kyler Murray. Wow, fun. Devante Freeman, Devonta Freeman, eighty-eight yards on the ground. David Johnson, he's really been limited this year. Um, Delvin Cook just ran all over this Atlanta defense earlier, and not so much this time. Not so much. Uh, Julio Jones, hundred and eight yards. Did not get in the end zone, but Austin Hooper did. Larry Fitzgerald didn't get in the end zone, but David Johnson made it up for uh, his lack of running with some screen plays and such, including a thirty-yarder, and got in the end zone and such. So, entertaining battle. Too bad neither team is that good right now, but very soon I think this Arizona Cardinals team is going to be way up there, baby. Uh, I think the only problem is the competition in that division is still very tough. Obviously, the Rams are scary at some t- sometimes anyway. Seattle's five and one. San Francisco is five and zero, oh, blah blah blah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a climb for Arizona, but the Rams better watch out. Arizona might pass them. It's kind of funny when you when you sit and think about that. Denver Broncos, another team that didn't have a win a couple weeks ago, now it's two wins as well. They're two and four, and they have a tiebreaker over a team that I thought might win the AFC South. <laughs> I guess the joke's on me. As awful as Denver's offense is, and I mean awful, their defense is still really good, isn't it? 16-0, to and Tennessee's defense, or offense, isn't exactly something to brag about, it's not that great, I like Ryan Tannehill, but, I don't know, he just didn't do a whole lot, Marcus Mariota is just pathetic, just pathetic today, and he's been not so good, not really living up to the hype, is he, <sighs> Nah, no, nah, he's, 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 no, he's really not, Philip Lindsay rushed for 70 yards, got in the end zone, Joe Flacco, a respectable game again for the most part, but not really. Not really. He just wasn't bad. He just wasn't bad. He did have an interception, but he wasn't awful. It's the Denver defense really that got the job done at the end of the day. And just kind of old school black black and blue football. Denver Broncos, they're not trying to get the number one pick in the draft at this point, at least at this moment, with a couple of wins in a row. And then we wrap up this until we start talking about the Detroit Lions. The New York Jets. Played the Dallas Cowboys today. The Dallas Cowboys were 3-0 three weeks ago, and now they're 500. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Everybody's talking about all oh, the Dallas Cowboys are going to have home field advantage. But at the end of the day, the Dallas Cowboys have had the number one seed multiple times in the past, you know, X amount of years, 10 years or so. They've, they've had some pretty good teams, 13-3, and 13-3, blah, blah, blah. Tony Romo year, and they've had a 12-4 and four team. They've had an 11-5 and five team. It seems like, regardless, they're just fortunate to get to the second round, and that's about all she wrote most of the time. They never get to the NFC title game anymore, and I'm fine with that. I, I don't miss the old days of Cowboys in the NFC title game and back to the Super Bowl. Oh, oh, I'm so happy to see the Cowboys back in the Super Bowl. I'm just so happy. You know, as much as some of you probably hate that about the Patriots, I don't know, there, there was a there was a, an air to that Cowboy franchise to this day. I just... I can't cheer for them. I can't. Unless they're playing the Packers, I can't cheer for them. I cannot. Um, I refuse. If they're playing the... Just about anybody else, even Detroit a couple years ago in the playoffs, I was on Detroit's side. But of course, whichever team I cheer for loses. Sam Darnold's back. You didn't have that uh, Luke Falk guy in there getting sacked ten times. You had Sam Darnold getting sacked twice. And he only threw one interception. He didn't throw three or something like he has the past... You know, 9 billion games (laughs) most of last year. 72% pretty good. Pretty good game for Sam Darnold. Pretty good. Pretty good game for the Jets' defense as well, making Dak Prescott struggle out there and have a hard time. He still got the yardage. He still actually was pretty efficient. But he didn't throw for a single touchdown pass. It's not like he was bad or anything, but he wasn't spectacular. He did rush for a touchdown to make things very interesting. But then, at the end of the day, he got rushed and stopped by the Jets, and they did not—they were unable to comp- uh, complete the two-point conversion. In a pretty, pretty epic fourth-quarter comeback, uh, it looked like the Jets had this thing in the bag. But nice fourth-quarter comeback by the Dallas Cowboys came up short. It just—it just came up short. I—I feel so bad that the Dallas Cowboys came up short. I'm—I'm I'm just sick about it. Not really, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson 125, and then Jamison Crowder as well, the former Cleveland Baron, no, Cleveland Brown, 98 yards receiving, did not get in the end zone. Good, solid game. Maybe the Jets will make the playoffs after all. I mean, I remember the Chargers were 0-4 back in uh, what year was that? Back in 1992. Yeah, God, I'm I'm old. They were 0-4 back in '92. They were awful, and then they finished 11-5 and got a first round buy and lost right away. Yeah, they, they lost right away. But hey, at least they got a first round buy and stuff. <laughs> uh entertaining stuff. Entertaining stuff. Let's get to the Detroit Lions, regardless of who who's good or bad, I guess, at the end of the day. Minnesota and Detroit, it's been a very rich history. It's been a very dominant history generally speaking for the Minnesota Vikings. So we did lose three games in a row. From uh, 2016 season up until the game where uh, Delvin Cook tore his ACL in US Bank Stadium, only seven points scored by Minnesota that day. A lot of people thought the Vikings' season was over. I mean, I was included. I thought the Vikings were done. Like I remember people on uh, Viking Vent Line for score uh, score North, or at the time it was still 1500 ESPN, which was totally fine. Uh, They were just saying, why can't we have nice things? Like, every time you have something good, something bad happens. And it was complete crap. But uh, luckily, Minnesota still ended up having a hell of a season. Though, that game cost the Minnesota Vikings home field advantage throughout the uh, NFC. It did. So, it's unbelievable how that game could, uh, the repercussions of that game. No Delvin Cook, no home field advantage, and no miracle. uh, Literally, the Super Bowl goes through Minnesota, no matter what. The Super Bowl goes through Minnesota. Not just the road to it, but everything else. Just an unbelievable, uh, amazing thing that would have been. But, you know, like always, it just never ends positively. You wish it would, but maybe one day it will. Minnesota has won three in a row since starting with the uh, Thanksgiving Day game that season when the Vikings were just rolling, just on a roll, smashing through other teams under their 13-3 and record. Oh, that was so much fun. So much fun. What a magical season that was as the Vikings were stopping uh, Mr. Stafford, Matthew Stafford, on some of those key third downs that we could not stop on Thanksgiving the year before when he lost uh, 16-13, to when we were still very much in playoff contention at the time, though still a frustrating damn season. The Vikings just could not stop Detroit on third and long. Matthew Stafford would Scamper, this and that. It's been an interesting back and forth at Stafford. And the Vikings, he's actually had some pretty damn good seasons against us. Like in 2014, they swept us. That defensive line, uh, still in the Jim Schwartz era, did a hell of a job. Then ultimately, uh, Caldwell, Jim Caldwell, take took over, and he did a hell of a job for a while. And then ultimately got let go at the end of last season because it wasn't a good year for Detroit for the most part. And of course, now you got Patricia. Patricia, at, Not at the end of last year, but two years ago, pardon me, at the end of 2017, just not a very particularly good year. Things didn't end well in 2017, but I thought Caldwell still took the Lions to places that they hadn't really been for the most part. Uh, a, a couple of good years under Jim Schwartz, very good defensive coach, but, you know, obviously Schwartz got his revenge on everybody getting a Super Bowl championship with Philly, particularly against us and all that. Um Caldwell and all that. He was coaching Indianapolis, blah, blah, blah. I could go on forever. Matt Patricia's got rings with New England. It's good times, good times. um, Though they did lose the Super Bowl against Philadelphia. Did Matt Patricia. Awful season last year. Made things look real easy. Remember on, uh, was it? So that was on the 11th, uh, excuse me, the 4th of November. The Vikings did not play on Thanksgiving last year after doing it a couple years in a row. Vikings ruined every holiday possible in 2016. That was an awful freaking season, just awful. They ruined Christmas Eve. They ruined Thanksgiving. They ruined Halloween. It was just an awful bleeping season. I almost dropped an F bomb. That's how bad it was. But 17 is very different. Last year, you had the 10 sack game. That was freaking cool. Matt Patricia. Things just would not work out for him. And then, of course, nope. That was on the <laughs> that was uh, that was on the uh, 23rd of December. Pardon me. That was right before Christmas the 10-sack uh, game. That was in Detroit. That was a lot of fun. Made us think, okay, well, at least we're still alive now. Hopefully we can beat the uh, Chicago Bears and all that and stay alive. But it didn't matter for a whole lot at the end of the day, unfortunately. Um, but no, yeah, Vikings rolled over Detroit in the uh, in U.S. Bank Stadium on the 4th of November. Again, very rich history, generally speaking for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, that was in the dome or the, the US Bank Stadium. That was the fourth. Okay, I apologize. I'm all, <laughs> I apologize for that. Uh, yeah, so many games against these against this team over the years. It's been a very rich number, well over 174 39 and 2 Minnesota absolutely ruling the roost, but that's because of the old days. Vikings never lost to Detroit. I mean, there were spans that it was insane. Now, of course, way, 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 way back in the early 60s, Detroit actually ruled us because in the 1950s, Detroit was NFL champions like every year. They were like the best team in the NFL in the 1950s. Detroit was the best team in the NFL in the 50s, kind of like, you know, the Patriots now. They were the Patriots of that era, so they were still very good. Uh, Detroit beat us the first five games ever that we played each other, and then we finally beat them in 1963. Gosh, right around, gosh, right to you, two days after Kennedy was assassinated. Damn, that's weird. Whew. But yeah, Detroit pretty much dominated the Vikings in the 1968 on. Jiminy frickin' Christmas. 1968 to 74. Minnesota won every single game. 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 games in a row. And then Detroit finally beat the Vikings in 74. And then they... Vikings won, it was kind of back and forth, and then another nice long five game win streak for Minnesota, and then it got very back and forth ish. And then 86 to 89, Vikings won seven in a row. Detroit got a cup, there was a back and forth. Detroit won three in a row. You could just go on and on and on and on. Four game win streak in the 2000 to 2001 era. We actually swept Detroit in 2001, even, even awful we were that year. Then you had that massive win streak. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten game win streak over Detroit from 02 to 06. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, lost in overtime in 07 when we really needed it. We lost in overtime in 07. Oh, that was a frustrating as F game. Oh, yeah. That was the game when I exploded on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Tavares Jackson, five interceptions in that game. He was awful. And yet we still almost won the game. Funny. Then the Vikings won six in a row again after that. That's crazy. And that's been kind of back and forth ever since. And we talked about the recent history. Pretty rich history for Minnesota, though, mostly because of the early 70s, 2000s and such. The Vikings had huge winning streaks. Hopefully the Vikings can continue this uh, positive trend. We actually beat Detroit in Detroit two games in a row and three games in a row total. <sighs> We've had some awful, frustrating games in Detroit. Usually close. But that crowd is obnoxious, and they are Vikings. Most of Minnesota's losses have been in Detroit, not in Minnesota. I mean, it was going way back in the day, way back machine, when the Vikings lost at home to Detroit. Yeah, 97, we lost at home to Detroit. And, oh, 99 we did too, didn't we? Okay, yeah, well, that was at Detroit. What am I saying? Yeah, lost at home to Detroit in 97. Yeah, I remember this lasted like forever that the Vikings dominated Detroit. At uh, in, in the in the Metrodome and such. Yep, 2011 was the first time Detroit beat Minnesota uh, in the dome since 1997. That is a insane long winning streak. We're talking like 20 games in a row there, or, or so. I mean, that is just uh, remarkable. Even more than that, um, pretty crazy the dominance Minnesota has had over Detroit at home. On the road though it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, we've had some nice wins there, but we've had some very frustrating losses that were usually close games but just didn't end well. And I don't know, it's been an interesting rivalry for many years. I probably went on a little too long because I always do. Detroit you got your Matthew Stafford, you got your, you got Mr. Johnson there. <laughs> Mr. Johnson 251 yards on the ground of course. Carry on Johnson, carry on. He's carrying on. 251 yards. So far, of course, they have not played week number six yet, have the Detroit Lions. And gosh, they've only played four games so far. So they're literally like two games behind us right now. They haven't even played their fifth game yet. So, of course, numbers not reflecting on spectacular numbers. But Carryon uh, Johnson's been respectable for the most part. He's averaging about 63 yards a game. So he's on course for about a 1,000-yard season, which isn't that great. It's above average. Well, it's average, actually, uh, generally speaking. Jones has been pretty good, Galladay, TJ Hawkinson, of course, exciting tight end. He hasn't really exploded on the scene yet, but he's had a couple of moments, a couple of touchdowns so far for the Detroit Lions. It's, it's an offense that could, that could explode. Generally, it's their defense that's carried them. But of course, Matthew Stafford has been freaking elite for the most part this year, too. Definitely better than last year, almost 300 yards a game. Nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. Quarterback rating on the season is 102.6. He's had a hell of a year so far. To be quite fair, regarding the uh, aforementioned uh, Matthew Stafford, of course he's been a frustration for Minnesota for forever. he's, he's been tough to he's he's been a tough guy to bring down in those third and longs. He's, he's got that ability to to escape. Uh, so far, again, Matthew Stafford's career high leading into this uh, season was 99.3 in. 2017, when the Vikings frustrated the bleep out of him in a couple games. Well, actually, just the second game, he frustrated the bleep out of us. After that, uh, but no, he's had some solid seasons running, running for first downs and such. As Matthew Stafford, he can get in the end zone on occasion, but obviously, it's his his arm is his true weapon. Hard to believe, man. It's hard to believe he's already in his thirties, but still got a, still got a career ahead of him. I mean, he's 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 a few years younger than Aaron Rodgers, so he's still got he's still got what four more years than Aaron Rodgers per se, depending on how long the two guys uh, really last. At the end of the day, uh, Mr. Jones, obviously Marvin Jones, has has had a solid season uh, so far. Not great, but I mean, he's the number one target. He hasn't exploded, but really nobody's exploded. I mean, there's no Calvin Johnson anymore. Marvin Jones, of course, the former Bengal, who's had some solid seasons with them, but really never been a star. Carry uh, on, Johnson, solid. Blah blah blah. Hawkinson's H- a guy that could be a big problem for Minnesota, obviously. And the Detroit defense has been has been pretty good for the most part. Uh, they give up yards. It's kind of the bend but don't break situation. At the end of the day, that's the one thing. When you sit down and analyze the situation, it is kind of a bend but don't break defense. I mean, in yardage given up. Detroit is actually in the lower, much lower half, in Yard has given up. That's the funny part, despite their defense has been pretty good and being stingy for the most part. For the most part, I mean, eh, you know, they're averaging about 23.8 a game. They're, like, in the middle. They just win games at the end of the day. That's kind of how it is for Detroit, uh, in yards a game um, and, and rushing. They've, you know, they're kind of middle of the pack, 124.8. You get expected expect a solid game from Delvin Cook. Their uh, pass defense has been beatable. Very beatable so far this year. Giving up 280 yards. They, it's just, they've just been solid. They've been in games most of the season. Their defense has kind of been, but don't break. They give up the yardage. And, and that's kind of what it's been. And then Stafford has been excellent. I mean, it's kind of a combination of both. They've, they've been just good. They've just been good this year. And that's one of the main reasons why the Detroit Lions are one of the top teams in the NFL, oh not really they're a dangerous team to play against we'll say not top teams, but they well, they almost beat Kansas City but now the Chiefs actually look semi-beatable because Houston beat them um, so it's going to be interesting and they lost last week as well so it's going to be extremely interesting to see how things uh, turn out for the uh, the Chiefs Detroit, again, it's Ben but Don't break. They only have nine sacks on the year, but yeah, okay. They've only played four games. That's something to think about. I mean, a lot of their numbers are going to be low. Interesting statistic with Detroit. Again, only four games. I'll continue to say this. Only four games. They're still way up there in the past inflections of like, 27. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good statistic for Detroit because, again, only four games. They're at the minimum here. They force fumbles, they force turnovers, and that's definitely something to talk about. They'll they'll force a they'll force fumbles and that's something we're we're afraid of around here in a big way. That's just been a problem forever for the Minnesota Vikings with the, the the fumbles and you hope that uh they don't draw Kirk Cousins into one. Only two interceptions so far on the year for Detroit. It's a it's a beatable team. It's again Ben but don't break. I've said it about fifty times. That's kinda of what it is at Detroit. Ben but don't break and then Matthew Stafford is off to a great start. Uh he's having a career year so far, honestly and he's had a lot of very good seasons where he's pushing 5,000 yards, this and that. (sighs) Detroit, so far this year, again, has been tough to beat. They've really hung in there. I mean, they hung in there against the, you know, they they hung in there against the Chiefs. They frustrated other teams during the course of the season. I mean, uh, where where do you even go? I mean, where do you even go? It's a tough, tough decision. I mean, Minnesota's going to put up numbers. That's the good part. I'm excited about that. The passing yards have been strong. I, I'm having a hell of a time picking a winner in this game. You know, I mean, I love the way the Vikings are playing, but are they for real? That's the thing. And these road games for Kirk Cousins have not been good. These, oh, I just don't even want to go, go there. I mean, it's funny how they end up tying Detroit, or excuse me, tying Arizona. They, they beat Philadelphia, which, okay, that's a pretty good win on the road. They barely lose to Kansas City at home, so they've kind of been all over the place, honestly. I mean, you tie with Arizona, that's not good, but of course, Kyler Murray was awesome in that game. The Chargers, you know, beating them by only three points isn't as impressive as you might think it is, because the Chargers are getting killed by an awful Pittsburgh team right now. I mean, that team is done, and I feel bad for their coach. I thought he did a hell of a job last year, and it sucks. Uh, Kansas City, though, man, they almost had them. They almost had them again, and again, now they're visiting Green Bay, and Unfortunately, we don't get to see that. I think the Packers probably win that game, probably. Go Detroit, because it'd be good to see the Packers lose, I suppose. That would help. I mean, we'd be tied, but Green Bay'd have the tiebreaker. Ah oh, boy, oh, boy. I want to pick the Vikings to win. I mean, I've picked the Vikings to win pretty much every game so far this year. Oh, man. If Kirk Cousins continues to protect the football and to be more willing to try to thread the needle between the defenses and such that he's been doing the past couple weeks. If he continues on the trend he's been on, Kirk Cousins is going to have a hell of a rest of the season, and I think Vikings could have a pretty damn good record. I mean, 4-2 and two is good. You get to 5-2, and two, a nice win on the road. This, is, this could be a big boost in confidence for this team. I, you know, I, I've picked the Vikings to win every week, it seems like, and I'm kind of, it makes me sound like a homer, but I mean, these are all winnable games. I mean, they're all winnable. Going into Green Bay, we barely lost that game. If Kirk Cousins wasn't freaking awful, the Vikings would have won that one. Same with Chicago. If Kirk Cousins wasn't freaking awful, we would have won. Detroit is not outside. It's not a primetime game. uh, And it's a beatable team. It's a beatable defense. Again, for the 9 billionth time, Ben, but don't break. They give up yards. And they give up points. So it just is what it is. I think the Vikings win. I think the Vikings beat Detroit. I, I think so. I think we win our fourth game in a row against the Detroit Lions. I, I got a feeling I think the Vikings can do this. Uh, obviously, Matthew Stafford has been a thorn in the side for this Vikings defense, but the last couple of years, we've beat the heck out of him. So hopefully the Vikings can do it again. I think he's going to have a hell of a time tonight, uh, tomorrow night against the Green Bay Packers, or tonight, depending on when you're listening, or even, yeah, a couple of days ago. Maybe <laughs> who knows how long you're listening, how long ahead, ahead of time you are at this point. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to pick the Vikings to win this game. Believe it or not, it's going to be whew, something along the likes of eh, you're going to see yardage. You're not going to see as many points. I think it's going to be super close, like 20 to 17 type of game for Minnesota. It's going to be a close 21 to 17 type of game. Delvin Cook's going to get I think Delvin Cook's numbers are going to be higher significantly in this game, and I remember he was doing well against Detroit in the game that he got injured. But again, it's a different team. But still, they give up yardage. They do. Detroit gives up yardage. They give up passing yards. I think Kirk Cousins throws for 300-ish again. I think he gets multiple touchdowns again. I think Stefan Diggs has a back-to-back good week because he has had some good history against the uh, Detroit Lions. In fact, that's when he jumped onto the scene and uh, things started looking pretty cool for Stefan Diggs. That's what I believe. Vikings win the game 21-17, to or he could even go 20-17 to with, uh, again, Bailey making a couple field goals rather than just all, all touchdowns. I'm going go to go 20-17. to Very close game. Vikings stop Stafford and the Detroit Lions late and take over on downs, so to speak, and do the victory formation and barely get past this Detroit team. You're going to see yardage. You're going to see a mistake or two here or there. But, again, this is a beatable team, I think. I think they're beatable. I think they had a good start to the season, and I got a feeling... There's going to be a little drop-off, and I think the Vikings get the job done and force Stafford into a, an interception or two, this and that. I don't really fear their uh, running game. Their passing game, I do fear very much. That's the one reason why the Vikings would lose the game, is because of Matthew Stafford and the passing game, and because the Vikings' secondary has not been as good as you'd like. Uh, you need Mike Hughes to get that big turnover or just continue to play that shutdown defense he's been doing, that shutdown corner he's been in the past two weeks that he's been back. Uh, I'm going to thank God McKinsey Alexander is back as well because he's become one hell of a shutdown slot corner as well. That would be very helpful for Minnesota to make up for what's not been a very good year for uh, Xavier Rhodes and a decent, just just an okay year for Trey Waynes and a below average for his standards, that's for sure, year for Mr. Rhodes closed Xavier Rhodes. Minnesota wins 20-17, to 17, just barely, over a Detroit team and it'll be a gigantic momentum push, hopefully for Minnesota (laughs) after that. With that, we'll take a quick break and Mark, uh, excuse me, well he he calls himself Marky on Twitter. I almost called him Mark Carlson. It's Dave Martin. He calls himself Marky on Twitter. He's going to congratulate me on my 300th episode in fan interaction right after this.
1: Hey, greetings, Joey. Um, let me say, yet another great podcast, my friend. You know, what I can't believe is you've reached 300 podcasts with this one. That's 12 seasons. That's truly dedication and commitment to the cause when you're doing probably, what, an average of 18 per year. Uh, so, well done and a great effort. Now, I think you are right. They should beat the Eagles at home on Sunday. Now they can continue to be a team that beats the teams that they're supposed to be and look good in the process. It's when they have, it's when that uh, challenge arises. I don't feel playing the Eagles fits that bill in some respects. If the game was in Philadelphia, that's a completely different story. Now I think this is a must-win um, because this is a sort of game where they need to offset the losses that are coming until they can go and beat say KC or Detroit or Dallas and win we're on the cycle of up and down weeks but after all the shenanigans of the last week and the terrible game in Chicago it was a surprisingly good bounce back performance in New York as always thanks for the gold star and to be honest I think Mark Carlson did nail it they are a team that is jackal and hide and there's no two ways about it um, but perhaps that is the beauty of the NFL. You know, one week you get a win and you feel good. The fact that it's such a short season of 16 games, a loss is rather a, a kick in the teeth. And does, in some respects, feel like a disaster. Anyway, I'm going to keep it short. Um, congratulations on 300 podcasts. Great job. Skull, brothers and sisters.
0: And thank you once again. Dave Martin, Mad Martin, out of Northern Scotland. It's been an absolute pleasure doing 300 podcasts, 300 episodes, 12 seasons of Purple Mafia. Pretty damn crazy, isn't it? And I think it's a little more than 18. I I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I think there were some years that were more than others, this and that. And, of course, you know, the off-season shows. But, yeah, like regular season, yeah, it is about that, I suppose. Yeah, it's, you know, some preseason games and, of course, playoff games, blah, 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 blah so it's, yeah, it's close to the ballpark either way, (laughs) this and that, it's been a busy, busy run, and it's been a lot of fun, I know uh, Matt Martin's a very, very busy guy as well, and interesting thought also with the whole thing of, like, you're trying to kind of bank a couple wins because of the losses that could be coming, that type of thing yeah, you're banking wins right now, because you know, obviously, there's a tough road ahead, literally, and there was already a tough road with Green Bay and Chicago and neither one of those went well, and It's weird. It is a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Mark Carlson, yep, yep, you mentioned that. It's it's so true. Luckily, we got, I would hope, winning a home game against Washington. You beat Detroit, would just be freaking huge. At Kansas City, they look more beatable than they have been. Dallas is more beatable than they have been. Of course, we don't know how well they'll be playing at that stage of time. We'll just have to wait and see how that turns out. Denver Broncos, there is just no excuse. You gotta beat that bleeping team on November the 17th. Then you head to Seattle, which is like a loss like 900 billion times. Home, home game versus Detroit, let's keep that that old legacy going. The Vikings always win at home versus Detroit. Of course, we didn't beat them in TCF Bank Stadium. That was really depressing. At LA Chargers, that game was tougher than we thought before. We'll see. I would hope the Vikings can win that one. The, Minnesota could have a pretty good record at the end of the year, if all goes well. Like you, end up beating, you end up sweeping Detroit would be just huge if we're able to pull that off. Um hopefully you beat Green Bay like we normally do in US Bank Stadium. Hopefully. Maybe you and maybe you squeeze in one of those games that we were pretty much pretty much had the red marker out to write L. Dallas, Kansas City Chargers, uh, Seattle. Hope you can get a green W in one or two of those to make up for uh something. Then you might have something going on here. You might have an eleven and five type of season and who knows, maybe Kirk Cousins actually wins a playoff game and does something with it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm still like you. I'm still a skeptical. I'm still a skeptic. I'm still skeptical and <laughs> a skeptic. Okay, I'm still a skeptical. I'm a skeptical person. Yes. I <laughs> yeah, oh, love what Tenay said there. I'm going to be backtracking now. So, nice little back and forth here with Tenay and Mad Martin at Purple Mafia Show at Purple Mafia Show with the uh, for the Twitter account. Again, Mad Martin is the emperor of Twitter without a doubt boy there are a lot of tweets lots of tweets busy game today of course like there usually is and of course a real cool one there looks like uh, let's see see if there was a couple of uh, retweets along the way I'm pretty sure Vince Nermano did I thought I saw it now I'm not seeing a whole lot of stuff Sam Sam, Sam Gupta. Liked the tweet, thank you, Sam Gupta, out of California, and a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. He's a, he's a bit of a quiet guy, but he's he's a wonderful guy. You know, he's been so loyal to this show for so long, and he's 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 awesome. Tane Brown and Vince Germano retweeted the most recent show. Tane Brown out of New Zealand and Vinrock Vince Germano out of Australia retweeting the most recent show, episode two, ninety nine. So now we'll scroll up, and a pretty cool tweet to open things with mad martin if i can get there here it is he enjoyed the podcast on a 1100 mile road trip round trip pardon me road trip yeah no (laughs) it's a little too far right my youngest got his wings sadly still a seahawks fan so yes as apparently mad martin's youngest son is in the air force very cool very cool um that's awesome congratulations congratulations my congratulations my man that is uh pretty cool unfortunately he's a Seahawks fan but gotta let that go I guess right there's not a whole lot we can do but uh yep Mad, a little frustrated with that one two starters out on the O-line and yeah that was kind of scary you saw Riley Reif uh, out you saw yep you saw Rashad Hill start at left tackle you saw Dakota Dozier who did get a holding call in the game today but generally speaking he was not bad he was not bad at all um again that pass rush of Philadelphia though isn't quite what it was against Tom Brady and uh and uh, uh, case Keenum a couple of years ago. I mean, that was just relentless, it really was. They gave up points, but my god, they forced turnovers and a lot of frustration. Relentless defensive line of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles was not the case today, it was last week a bit against the Jets, but the Jets are weird. We'll continue. Matt Martin says now. No, this is what we want. Nice game script from the from Stefanski on that opening touchdown drive so far. So good. And yes, it was much more of a pass-happy game today because Philadelphia's pass defense stinks and their rush defense is excellent. So uh, it is what it is. And boy, were they a mess today. Oh, we'll continue. Uh, it's worked well so far against that front seven of the Eagles. 10-0. Good start. Another three and out would be great. The Sea Chickens. Yep, he was saying how kids these days. Yep, when I was talking about ah, oh, he's a Seahawks fan. Bummer. Yeah, definitely painful stuff. <laughs> yep. Again, these are bad. Martin, great first half. Even the O-line, yeah, even the O-line is playing okay today. They can pass block for once, and yeah, that's the thing. That was one of the urban legends, actually. You could even add that as an urban legend. They actually pass block really well today. But uh, Phillies, uh, again, But other than last week against the Jets, Phillies' uh, pass rush has not been that great. Yep, he says, wow, this is some start. Diggs and Cousins on fire against the hated Eagles. I'm not ready to be a believer yet. For that to happen, I want to see... I'll, I'll, I'll win. A, he wants to see A, wins on the road. Wins as in plural. Yep, that's what he means there. Um, B, wins. Yep, wins outside. C, wins in prime time. And D, wins against contenders. Not much to, add, not much to ask for. Thumbs up. It shouldn't be. When you see the talent and the special skills, you know, Kirk Cousins has special skills. He's got a good arm, and he's able to actually thread the needle. He's actually able to thread the needle. It's all between the years, baby. It's all between the years the Kirk Cousins. That's what's held him back. He has the special skills to be an excellent quarterback, and I've been saying that since last season, but then it just got to a point of I guess he doesn't have what it takes between the years because, well, Christian Potter didn't either. Christian Potter didn't have what it takes between the years, and he didn't have the special skills. He, he didn't have an arm. All he had was happy feet. That was about it. He didn't have the arm. The accuracy was mediocre, adequate, I guess. And that was all. Where Teddy Bridgewater has the accuracy, and he has it between the ears, he just doesn't have the explosive arm. That's all. Uh, the big arm. Or Kirk Cousins does. And he's actually more mobile, in Kirk Cousins' case, than uh, people wanted to believe. He's not a mobile quarterback, per se, but he's more mobile than, you know, he, He's he's not Sam Bradford. Let's just leave that as is. Continuing. Matt martin says the key is we need cousins to demonstrate consistency over multiple games and particularly in the big spots yep he was saying a poor start to the second half that was kind of scary Ooh, that was scary he says doing what they do best get off to a great start and then fall asleep yep and that was also mentioned from uh we'll, we'll look at the facebook page in a minute yeah it's true though we always do that we just kind of mess around i think that was i think that was josh Mayer henry i forget I uh, said so. Or was it Justin? Yeah, Justin. Uh, so after having a 12-minute time of possession advantage in the first quarter, the Eagles have had the ball 17 of the last 22 game minutes. Now they lead time of possession. Isn't that remarkable? How things can change as quickly as they did? And I, I thought the Vikings. I, I yeah, it looked kind of scary for a while there. It really did. Into that third quarter, um, the Vikings did get it. Thank God. They ended up kind of getting things back together. Mad Mars. That's clearly. That calling out of Cousins works. Need to keep him angry. I'm calling him out. Want 500 yards next week. They turned this around. Another good performance and the O-line to pass protect him. Yep, moving on. He says, uh, my biggest problem now is to watch next week's game as I'm in Tampa Bay or St. Petersburg. Uh-oh. So, oh yeah, you're saying where to watch it. Yep, yep, he's going to be in Tampa Bay or St. Petersburg. Uh-oh, so NFL ticket might not be as, uh, as uh, friendly there, huh? So, yeah, because I'm guessing he has it in uh, Northern Scotland there. Mad Martin says, I need Teddy. Or, I mean, I see Teddy has gone 4-0 with those taints. Yeah, yes, he has. Yes, he has. Where was it? I responded somewhere. I didn't. I guess it was today. He says, yep, which is totally fine. It's he says, fair, fair to play him. Stepped up when he needed to. The Saints team is dangerous. That Saints team is dangerous, but me, oh, my. If we have this Captain Kirk turn up week to week, we're a whole new beast. And we really would be. We really would be because Kirk Cousins has special skills. That's the thing. You know, the Vikings have had quarterbacks that don't have special skills. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has special skills between the years and and all that. Where Kirk Cousins has the arm that's in that. So it's kind of like an offset thing in a sense. If the son of a gun could uh, have it between the years a little bit, then we really got something. Bad Martin says would be amazing if cousins can maintain this level and the old line can protect him. Good on Teddy. Just hate the fact it's the cheating saints. And I, I hate it too. Uh Tene Brown says I'll never cheer the saints, but I'll always cheer for Teddy. Two gloves. Yep, 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 yep. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I I love Teddy Bridgewater. I love Teddy Bridgewater, yep, without a doubt. Uh I think that's it. Yep, yep, that was that was it. It was kind of a back and forth conversation there. Where was this? Okay, yeah, he was talking about how, yep, there's Sam Gutma. There he is. Let's keep, let's go. So I was saying I was pretty awesome about uh, when Matt Martin was saying, you know, Dave Martin was saying about uh, he wants 500 yards from Kirk Cousins. I was saying it's pretty awesome. He needs to play like this all the time. He has the special skills. He just needs to keep the mindset where it is. Sam Gutma, Gupta, I apologize. I'm losing my mind. I'm getting mixed up with someone else. Uh, a co-worker whose name was Gutma. It was like yeah so i deeply apologize Uh, he says all around great guy tweeting about life industry and so what happened here why is he showing up there he he responded that's just his uh that's weird there's a response and it's not showing that stinks it's showing oh he liked it oh i apologize sam i'm going crazy well yes sam is an all-around great guy by the way He's tweeting about life, industry, the Minnesota Vikings, and other things that cross his mind. Yep, (laughs) it's showing that there's multiple responses, though. That's so weird. Mm, This thing is very strange. Well, that's about all she wrote. Twitter account at Purple Mafia Show. Do give that a follow, if in you could, That would be greatly appreciated. And yeah, it's going to be a long episode. All right, looks like uh, because Jeff Froelund. Let's read what Jeff Froelund had to say here. He was. This was. He was talking to my personal uh, Facebook page. He's saying, uh, "Take your time with this podcast. The longer they are, the better." And I really hate the Eagles. This was a fun game. Yep, it was. It was Jeff, and I thank you very much. And I'll gladly. Uh, well, it's going to be a long show, yeah, no matter who likes it. I guess it just turned out that way. <laughs> I'm always afraid that I'm going too long at times, but uh, I've heard in multiple cases that it's good. Yep, and uh, Jeff Froiland is from Spencer iweja from spencer iowa pardon me just having a little fun there so thank you thank you uh (laughs) jeff royland i almost called him spencer can you believe that can you believe that i almost called him spencer (sighs) facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show but also recommend uh mn vikings haven mn vikings haven for allowing me to post links to purple mafia on that facebook page thank you again Uh, Trevor Wickerin for allowing me to do that. They do in-game threads, Viking news during the week and such. So now, again, thank you for following those guys. And, of course, keep up with this page as well, if you could. It's greatly appreciated, always. Facebook.com forward slash show. all these links, and it will be in the show description. October 6th, what's going on? Nope, that was the fine. So, Vikings versus Giants. Okay, let's get to this week, Finally. The comments on the most recent episodes and there was a share thank you very much for whoever did that can't thank you enough honestly and every comment is relevant damn it most relevant every comment is doggone it justin mayer henry who's very likely going to get a star this week out of colorado says i hope to get more engaged later on in the season if i can manage to actually see a bleeping game haha ha. thanks for the shows joey and thank you very much justin i appreciate you for uh sticking with this show even when you're unable to see the game sometimes Mark from Iowa. Mark Carlson says, "Wow, 299 and a great show it is. Thanks for the star. Looking forward to 300." Skull Mark from Iowa. And you are very welcome for the star and thank you so much for being around for many of those shows, Mark. Many, 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 many. Gerald ring has been around for very, 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 very many of them. Apparently, if he's been around since 2009, yeah. He says, "Can't wait. Glad we didn't fire Spielman and Zimmer last week and bench cousins. Yep, because so all things went so much better." heard back out of white bear lake says keep up the good work joey and uh gerald spring out of nebraska if i didn't mention that already we will now slide upward and look at that in game thread a bit a bit we'll look at it a bit some of what some of you guys had to say during the game and such and of course it's not showing anything which is annoying (laughs) it's not showing anything Okay, yep, I took the fall colors and everything. Nobody liked those pictures, which is a bummer. Eric Mustard says, I go to start lunch and Diggs scores. I finished getting lunch ready, come back in, and I'm thinking I'm seeing the same play. Nope, and yep, because Diggs, up yep, another deep pass to on Diggs. That was really fun, wasn't it? Wasn't that fun? It's kind of harking back to Randy Moss a little bit. Not quite as insane, but still a lot of fun. Justin Mayer Henry says, Well, that was unexpected, but best possible scenario heard back out of White Bear Lake. Okay, I already mentioned that. He says one of the best Viking games I've seen in years, and that's pretty much. Yeah, I, I would say the Vikings didn't have any crazy games last year. Um, the game in Philadelphia was really good last year too. In Philadelphia, that was a really good game. This one was more fun though. The Vikings really thoroughly put a beating on a decent team today. A, 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 a decent team. Chester Marion Royce says thank you. Thanks for reminding me why I never got excited about a lead in Minnesota. Yeah, because we were kind of letting that happen. Mm-mm-mm. Brett McCarthy says, "Looks, looks like, I, uh, looks like he, he's bringing his Irish luck to Minnesota. Oh, he he brought he he brought himself here, huh? Bringing his Irish luck to Minnesota is working. Diggs touchdown. Yep. So thanks for the Irish luck there, from uh, Brett McCarthy. Yes, sir. Eric Mustard active today. He says nice stop by the D. Yep. He liked that." Justin Mary Henry says they just shut the Vikings game off for the Browns game. What in the hell? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry that happened there. You Can imagine how frustrated he is there. He says, "Okay, luckily I can finish it on NFL.com. That that's good." <laughs> oh man, Robin Jocelyn says, "Love my Vikings skull. Thank you very much and uh, very cool. I like the, uh, I like the, I like the profile picture. I do, I do like the profile picture. I'll leave that it is." out of rochester minnesota robin jocelyn yes i like and agree with your profile picture <laughs> in case you're listening maybe maybe not uh now i cleared everything out every time i want to check out something uh where do we go from here boys where do we go from here leland Albertson loved the uh long opening drive da, 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 da. yep Ali Siddiqui was picking the Vikings to go 24 17, and luckily they got even better. I think, yeah, I think my prediction was around that too. Pretty cool. Justin Mayor Henry says Vikings totally imploding. Oh, yeah, that was in that one part. This team baffles me. It's always been this way. What is it about Vikings football? When they get a lead or are doing well, it's like it goes to their head that this team has never really achieved true success. They think to themselves, it's our time, we're going, we're going to do it. Meanwhile, as they are dreaming of hoisting L- the Lombardi Trophy, the victory they held in their hands slips away, leading them right back to the nightmare that, that, that is their reality, that this team just may never be able to do it. Woo-wee, that was something. Justin Henry continues saying, if they win this game, my, my comment still stands until the Vikings become Super Bowl champs. Because sadly we've all experienced the heartbreak or what should be a damn near guaranteed win, or at very least a Super Bowl appearance at least a couple of times. And yes, we have. Yes, we have. And going back to the Super Bowl four, the Vikings were favored by eighteen. You know, I mean that was the beginning of it all. That's why I call it the cert- the curse of nineteen sixty nine, because that's when it all started. That is when it all started. Yes, sir. I think. Oh, what's he saying? Kirk or Brett McCarthy was saying. I think this game is in the books. School nice. Nice game, nice win. Back to South Dakota, so he was here. Very cool, Brett. Thank you for uh, being a part of things. I think he had a picture somewhere. Ah, there it is. Okay, good. Takeover of Downs' midfield. Cool, everyone. Yep, very cool. So he must have had a pretty damn good seat. I was wondering where that picture came from. So that really was a legitimate. Wow, that's cool. And yep, the Vikings turn things over. Turn things over on Downs. That's good. Yes, sir. Robin Jocelyn says they're back. Yep, that was fun. Yep, yep, yep. So that's the in-game threads. Let's get to the post-game threads. Post-game threads. There's not a ton of them, but hey, but they're but they're but they're busy. They're busy threads, so that's good. That's more than enough, right there. Yep, and there's Tony Coleman, very cool, talking about a friend of his actually in there. Dave Vicky out of Iowa says I would give the friend award to cousins. Uh, the Cousins and Diggs combo today, and the Ponder Award to the coaching staff for someone the to calls today. To be uh, to be honest, I missed a lot of the game today, and plan on watching the whole thing tonight. And I think the team played overall pretty well today, so it's hard to pick a Ponder. And yeah, that's the thing. I had a hell of a time. I actually didn't, and I probably should, but uh, you know, I mean the offensive line stood strong. It's not like the defensive line was awful. They were really good. So yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's tough. Justin Mary Henry says was a good win today, but these guys need to stay consistent. They always get a cushion and let off the gas, and that has driven me nuts the entire time I've been a fan. Minus 98, they didn't care. Yep, minus 1998, they didn't care. They hurt feelings hard that year, and blue teams out. This offense and defense needs to play lights out until that clock hits zero. As long as this team plays soft with the lead, like they often do, they will never make it past the playoffs. Sucks to have that mentality after a win, but it's true. Regardless, I love my Vikings. And I know exactly what you're talking about, Justin. I really do. I I really do. Kurt Kurt Back says, after today, why would he want to go anywhere else? This team can be great if they start to chill. And I'm guessing Kurt's talking about, yeah, Justin Mary Henry is saying, why would who want to go anywhere else? I'm guessing he means Diggs. I'm guessing he means Diggs. I'm going to throw that in there. And even though you're hearing me say it now, I'm actually typing it as I'm saying it. It's got to be Diggs, yeah. Because who? Yeah, it, it, it's Diggs. So there it is. Huh? Beautiful, beautiful. Dave Hickey says, "What a game with the cousins of Diggs combo for three touchdowns and a lot of yards. It would have been a lot more if Diggs didn't let go, let it go through his hands for a turnover." Is Diggs auditioning for another team? Yeah, that's probably why Kurt said that. Is Diggs, maybe he meant to reply to Dave Hickey. Uh, If Diggs didn't let it go right through his hand, uh, ah. is is Diggs auditioning for another team before the trade deadline, or is he going to be content and being the number two or co-number one best case scenario? Yeah, I mean, I I hope he's content. He looked pretty happy today. Tony Coleman with the video here. A buddy of mine, Tony Coleman, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer out of South Dakota, says a buddy of mine got pulled over on a Diggs touchdown and I believe that's the guy with the camera there, yep, oh, no, yeah, well, they both had a camera, yep, I can see it, yep, of course, they both had a camera, that was the uh, Eagles defender that ran over, uh, apparently, uh, Mr., yep, oh, there he is, I see the guy now, yep, <laughs> the guy with the glasses and the kind of tan colored vest there got pulled over by the Eagles defender, <laughs> ouch, <laughs> that's funny, though, thank you for sharing that, uh, Tony, that's, that's cool, Gerald String, it's too, I mean, I hope the guy's okay, though. He, I'm guessing he is. Hopefully. Gerald String says, pretty easy Franny Award today. Urban Legend, Killer Instinct. Yeah, the Urban Legend is Killer Instinct. They need to have more of it, don't they? They do. Malcolm, out of Cali498, says, let's keep this win streak going. I hope they do. Mark Carlson says, go Browns. Matt Emer out of the UK, says still not over that Packers loss, and I'm not either, because what if the Vikings beat the Packers? What a difference that would have been. Huge, absolutely freaking huge. That would have been season changing. It it really would have been so. Even in just a couple words, there, Matt Eimer is uh, just he's just dead on because that one hurt. It, it it really hurt the Vikings. And but luckily we're still four and two. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, I'm getting the job done today against Philly. But uh, you know, I I guess a lot of us had the Vikings four and two at this stage. So now let's uh, do something after that. Now let's do something after that, like win in Detroit, which would be huge and so on and so forth. Whew. Let's pass out the stars and wrap up the show. Already an hour and 40 minutes. Jeff Royland, another long EA. Eh? Another long one. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, the numbers were pretty solid last week. Hopefully they continue to grow. I don't know if Timberwolves Explosions uh, season preview might have helped out, because that one had a pretty big jump. That was a, a shocker. Nice jump last week, and it kind of helped a couple of my other shows, including this one. Um, Timberwolves Explosion, NBA and Timberwolves Season Preview. Do check that out. Timberwolves Explosion is the name of that podcast if you're interested in that one. And, of course, Brave the Wild is my other podcast. And I did our season preview on that one not too long ago either for the Minnesota Wild who are off to a rotten start. Oof. Yeah, that show's struggling a teeny bit because of that. But it's not struggling that bad. Thankfully, there's still a pretty good fan base for that team and Brave the Wild podcast as well. Okay, let's pass out the bleeping Stars. This week, it's... Uh, yep, this week, it's Justin Mayer-Henry. is going to ring in the gold out of Colorado. Justin Mayer-Henry, absolutely. Good, busy week for him. Ah, boy. I don't uh, Mad Martin's going to ring in a gold-plated silver star. He is a legend. He's the greatest ever. His call-ins are spectacular. His comments are great. He He knows the game so well. Uh, Justin, Mary, Henry, also, obviously a lot of you guys, your football knowledge is great. Uh, Mad Martin's one of the true legends. Here's Patrick Grant. Okay. Patrick Grant, usually one of those guys who uh, doesn't say a whole lot, but he, but he says a lot in what he says. You know what I mean? Patrick Grant says, keep the positive momentum going against Detroit. Diggs was amazing. And thank you, Patrick, for jumping in there at the, at the last moment. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you, Patrick Grant. I think there was more. I think there was a couple more replies somewhere. But I know Josh Mayer Henry was very busy on the in game thread. So uh, I think, yeah, Brett McCarthy bringing that Irish luck over here. And Josh Mayer Henry with some, uh, and Kurt Back. man, 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 man. Kurt Back was pretty active today, Uh, a bit, you know, showing that emotion, having some fun. Kurt Back's got to bring in a Brown Star today. And Brett McCarthy for sure bringing in the Irish luck. So that that's your situation there. The uh, gold star goes to Justin Meyer Henry. Gold plated silver star to uh, Mad Martin. And of course, uh, bronze star will go to Brett McCarthy and Kurt Back today. Kurt Back bringing in that bronze star out of White Bear Lake. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this show. Uh, Three hundred episodes, it's been unbelievable. Three hundred more are probably coming. Uh, my total podcasting career, I guess, this is episode 813. If you want to go all the way back to Paladino Live in 2008, January 2008, uh, Showtime and T-Wolves, which me and Vinrock Vince Germano did, a couple of uh, Timberwolves and Lakers. See, it's it's basically a Los Angeles Lakers and Minnesota Timberwolves show. Of course, Vinrock Vince Germano is a Los Angeles Lakers fan, but of course, the Timberwolves are his second favorite team. Well, not of course, but the Timberwolves are his second favorite team, so a soft spot for him, my two Minnesota Timberwolves. We developed a friendship years ago from Timberwolves Explosion and such and built a little show together. It's, you know, it lasted 15 shows. It, it could always be revived again, and it probably will one day, Just it, it, but it won't be very often, maybe like a once-a-month release, that type of thing. There were 15 episodes of that. Uh, that was actually not too long ago, like 2014, I believe, if I'm remembering it correctly. 2014 and 2015, it was 15 episodes kind of here and there. Talking about the Lakers and the Timberwolves. Lots of fun. Very fun interaction between the two of us. The reason for the difficulty of releasing it is because well, think of the time zone difference between Golden Valley, Minnesota, slash Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, which it was for a little while, and uh, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. That's a big difference. Big time zone difference. Like it's I think it's like in the morning right now in Australia, if I remember correctly. It might actually be a little bit beyond that. Maybe it's like noon already. There's a huge difference. Uh, Like say when I got up at uh, 7 a.m. one day to record with... I I forget who it was with. I think it was Vince, actually. Yeah, I got up pretty early. Or was it Hank one of those days, too? I think it was both of them. Uh, Hank slash Wayne Hunt. It was super late at night. 7 a.m. here, it was super late at night on the the same day. That's so many hours later it is. Like 17 hours later. So... They were recording at like 11 p.m. or something, so pretty pretty wild, but it is what it is. Sometimes I record early, sometimes I record late, like say it's, uh, I was recording at like 10.30 p.m. or something here, and it's like 3.30 p.m. the next day there already. Pretty crazy stuff, so you know, it, it is what it is. When they have time, they have time, and when they don't, they don't, that type of thing. There you go, dragging it again. But it's episode three hundred. There, there's a story to everything. Uh, uh, but uh, I remember I had Paladino Live, circa April two thousand eight. I decided to uh, split the Vikings out of Paladino Live because Paladino Live was a universal show. It was just I was just going to do one show and that's it. I was going to talk about sports, maybe throw in some stocks and all that here and there, just for some fun. That's what it was going to be mostly sports and stocks. It was going to be like all the Minnesota teams uh Vikings, Timberwolves, Wild, and even throw in some twins, of course, which, you know, yep, I did talk twins a bit. I love baseball. I have a lot of experience in it as well. I'm not a genius about pitching this and that. And at the time there was a twins podcast, and then I noticed there was a really big one also. And I figured, you know, I'm gonna stick to football, basketball and hockey. And that's what I did kept with Purple Mafia, split Purple Mafia out of Palladino Live, so Palladino Live became just uh, Wild and Wolves and then threw in some Twins conversation as well. And then in August of 2008, I split up Palladino Live and canceled that show, actually. You know, like I retired that show and split it into Timberwolves Explosion and Brave the Wild. It took a little while to come up with names. Purple Mafia was kind of a random idea a long time ago. I figured, you know, I'm Paladino Joey and I wear this Cool black hat and the, this, this trench coat. I'm I'm a I'm Paladino Joey Don Paladino, and that's where Purple Mafia came from, way back in April two thousand eight. So that's where Purple Mafia came from, and then I had a coworker at work. You know, I I just could not come up with a name for the Timberwolves show for some strange reason. So that was kind of random. I was talking back and forth with my friend Paul days later, but then a, f- a friend at work named uh, Nicholas Nyland. All of a sudden, he, like it, just his light bulb went off, and he said, Brave the Wild. What do you think of that? And I'm like, okay, that's really good. I, I am going to do that. Uh, that show ended up releasing a couple days, uh, like a week or two after the first release of Timberwolves Explosion. I was just thrilled to do an NBA show. Oh, God, I've always wanted to talk NBA. Brad Marcus, the forecaster, in multiple episodes. And, man, that was some serious fun. Brave the Wild, Neil Natak, God rest his soul. I Never in a million years would have guessed he wouldn't still be living today, <sighs> that still sticks on my mind, it does every day, I mean, Neil Nate these thing. in 2012, he got sick, uh, some kind of strange thing happened in his head, I'm not sure what it was, he got on medication, still was Neil, he still was very much Neil, but it made his sleeping pattern change so dramatically, he put on a lot of weight, his health deteriorated, and then just things got worse, you know, like five years later. And he, uh, and then he passed away. You know, right, right before the Super Bowl in Minnesota. Uh, in fact, he was still living, but he was pretty much gone already at that time. And uh, when the Super Bowl was actually here, um, the last text I ever got from him, we were sad about the Vikings getting crushed by the Philadelphia Eagles. So, that's a bit of history there. Neil Neidhart, Thiesen was on a number of episodes of Brave the Wild. Fun loving son of a gun. Just love the guy to death. And of course, Marcus the forecaster. About as entertaining as it gets. He's a basketball wonk, as in a lot of knowledge. Uh, I wish we could keep doing shows with uh, him on that show too, but unfortunately, that uh, you know, yeah, he, he's 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 tough to get. You know, he, he's you know, he, he, let's just let's just leave that as is. He, he's he's tough to reach sometimes. You know, he, he's busy with this, or his, his sleep pattern is different. You know, he's kind of a third shift guy. We'll just say so. It was stuff like that that kind of hurt that uh, purple mafia. I just, you know, this is kind of a solo show for me. I've had guests. I've had Dylan Richardson. I've had uh, Spencer Ellerbrusch. I've even had a guy named Farzinon who ended up not being nearly as nice a guy as I thought. That went very south about five years ago. Uh, it had nothing to do with this show per se, with him being on it. Just uh, the friendship went south because he changed. Let's just leave it at that. People change and it's crappy. So that's just a story of this world. You know, people change all the time whenever they have something happen in a positive way. Maybe their career goes up and their ego explodes and what are you going to do? What the hell can you do, as uh, Jerry Burns would say? What the hell can you do? I mean, people change and they're not your friend anymore because they're just not. (laughs) That's life. I don't even know why I'm getting into that. But uh, it's been a long bleeping road, man. I mean, it was fun having guests on Dylan Richardson and such, but Generally speaking, uh, and of course, Sebastian Bowles, of course. He was easily, uh, out of all the people I've done the show with, he's got to be the best one, right? I mean, now now then again, Dylan Richardson was freaking awesome too, though. Oh, you know, I I got to say both of them. Dylan Richardson was freaking awesome. Farzine, you know, it's like you listen back to those shows and you kind of see he already had that thing going on. Let's just say, like, I'm, the, I'm better than everybody else, attitude. Yeah, I don't know. Some people just—they're just—that's just how some people are, you know. That's just how some people are. Um, Dylan, one of the greatest guys ever. He's the one that got everything started for me on thesportsstuff.com, and that that page just kind of ceased to exist because Dylan just got too busy. He kind of—he had some changes in his life and all that. So nothing bad, of course, positive. It's just he just didn't have time for it anymore. So very positive changes for him, you know, much better job, you know, better wife, all that good stuff, better wife, better life, yeah, that type of thing, so, that type of thing. Um, Awesome guy out of Northern California, kind of uh, around the Sacramento area, what an unbelievable guy, Dylan Richardson, I wish he was on this show again, and of course, Sebastian Ball, Sebastian Barton, as he goes by, one of the coolest kids ever, Uh, was a kid when I first started talking to him, like in his teens, now he's a young adult, he's a dad, he's a husband. Oh, Sebastian, I love you, in case you're listening. Hope you are. Brett Jacobson, one of the true legends of the show, Mark Carlson. I could go on forever. So 300 episodes. This is the longest closing I've done in a long time to the show because, well, it's episode 300. Got to talk about something. Somebody about almost two hours here. So Jeff Ryland loves it. But uh, that's Purple Mafia. That's Purple Mafia, the story of Purple Mafia, how we're here today. And, again, 18 or 813 episodes when you combine. Paladino Live, Showtime and T-Wolves, Brave the Wild, Timberwolves Explosion, and Purple Mafia, 300 episodes. Timberwolves Explosion, 269, Brave the Wild, what was it, like 214? Something like that. Uh, you know, and then, of course, so we're at 813 total. I reached 800 not too long ago, and I didn't even mention it, so looking forward to 900 and 1,000 because I will be here for those, God willing. Long as, long as I'm still on this planet, and I doggone plan to be, we'll get, we'll get to 1,000. Unless they get some kind of job that says absolutely no podcasting because you're doing live shows and we can't do that ever again. But why would anybody do that? They can't stop you from doing a podcast. Screw that crap. I don't think they would. I don't think they would, honestly. In fact, why would they? If anything, it's more exposure. I could give them a shout-out. Like, hey, listen to my show on KFAN. Yeah, what are the odds of that happening? Like, zero. (laughs) Because I don't belong to that type of media. I just, I don't think I'd fit in, honestly. I think I'm Purple Mafia, brave the wild Timberwolves explosion. Uh, I wish this I wish this show exploded in a good way. It's doing well, but yeah, I wish it was like money making. Uh, <laughs> but well, we'll see. Things happen. Right people listen sometimes, and things happen. With that said, though, want to thank all of you so very much for. Some of you have been around for twelve whole years. Some of you have been around for yeah. I think Tony's about that. About that twelve. 11, 12 years, Gerald String. Some of you have been around for two years. Some of you have been around for two episodes. But as long as you love this show and want to keep listening, I can't thank you enough. Please do write a positive rating for this show, if you could, on iTunes, just to keep it going in the right direction. And I did have a positive rating very recently. I don't think I got to it yet. I don't think I mentioned it on a previous show. and I deeply apologize because I always do. Uh, I always do uh, say I'll mention you on air and give you a positive Radio or give you a star. So, Loadmaster on September 17th, officially on iTunes, says, I've been listening to sports radio long enough and even to the NFL channel on my satellite radio, but no one does a better job covering the Vikings than this show. Dang. Thank you. i shocked that you would say that. I can't thank you enough for saying that. God bless you, Loadmaster. You are getting a gold star as well today, just for that statement. I mean, that is unbelievable. I can't thank you enough. And those are worth their weight in gold, they're worth their weight in platinum, they're worth their weight in diamond-plated platinum gold. I mean, I can't thank you enough for what you said there. It means the world to me. It really does. It means the world to me. Um, So it's a good time to mention it on episode 300, I suppose. If you're listening, Loadmaster, can't thank you enough. can't thank you enough, and maybe you are, if you think this is the best Viking show out there. I mean, that's an unbelievable honor. It's an unbelievable honor. It's one of the oldest, that's for sure. (laughs) So, again, 209 736 7877 is the way to get on the show via the phone lines. And the way to get on for your audio via audio submission is simply using the free voice recording application on any smart device on the planet, or maybe a laptop or desktop with the Audacity uh, software program and a microphone. But we'll just assume you're using a smart device. Use the free voice recording application. Simply click record, treat it like a phone call. Stop, save, send it to live at Yahoo.com, Paladinolive at Yahoo.com, and then I will then convert it into a an NMB3 file thanks to Zumzar.com or Converto.com. Can't thank them enough for providing a free service when it's a small enough file like that. So can't thank them enough. I'll give them a free plug for giving me, uh, you know, free service. If it's a bigger file, like a whole podcast or something, or God knows what, that needs to be converted into a different file, file from like an m4a to an mp3 there you go that's where you should go with that said can't thank you guys enough once again god bless all of you and we will be back next week with hopefully a five and two minnesota vikings team until then take care